fun. All about the game. World premiere. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Console Crusade podcast. Here we talk retro games, video game news, and as always, we are brought to you by LaCroix, aloe vera, and hydrogenated soybean oil. I'm EJ Olson. This is Nick Durheim. Let's go, E3! Yeah, I did start with a LaCroix today. Also, we don't have any aloe, so my sunburn is just going to be completely untreated. That's fucking terrible, dude. You look crispy when you were up and walking around earlier. It's funny, too, because my bangs hang kind of to the side, so only half of my forehead is burned. Oh, no. And then I have a nice glasses tan line on my on the bridge of my nose, and I have blisters on my nose that I've never had before. Really? I, you know, I've never gotten the blisters from a, a sunburn before. Not like that, anyway, so that's brutal. It's probably because my pores are so giant. Giant pores. You are the poorman. Anyway, uh, we're a little bit late on this. It is... Uh, yeah, just just a little bit. Well, I mean, E3, I mean, the event's only wrapped up, like, Friday, right? They were still showing shit till the end of the week? Or am I crazy? No, yeah. I mean, E3 didn't start until Tuesday. Right. It's just the conferences. That's what people think of when they think of E3. It's all the big announcements that the main three console manufacturers actually talk about. And then the other conferences. It's all about the conferences. That's where the announcements are. E3 show floor itself is just everybody. You know, it's, I guess that's technically true, but I feel like all the cool stuff we got post-conference, like Nintendo dropped their coolest shit, like the treehouse. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to that point. So we are a little bit late, a couple days late, but that's okay. I, I doubt anyone's out there waiting for our, our hot takes, but we wanted to make sure we get this in. This is Sunday the 18th. We wanted to get this in before uh, the beginning of the week so we can look on to, to bigger and better things. Uh, do you just want to go through... Like conference by conference, or do you want to just jump around and talk about whatever the fuck we feel like? I say conference by conference just to stay organized. Okay. Well, I'll kick us off then with God on Saturday. We had EA, which in the last pod I was very down on. I was like, who fucking cares? And you had to remind me that, well, hey, they have Star Wars, you idiot. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. That thing Whoa. I care a lot about. <laughs> yeah. Kick us off. Where are we at on that? Well, I mean, they started off with that drum line. Showing off Madden. What was that? The drum line. It was so weird. It's yeah. It's it's a leftover pomp and circumstance kind of thing of E3's prior. Because I don't know if you've ever really tuned in with E3, but I've been like watching on and off since I had G4 back in middle school, so like 2004. Oh God. But yeah, E3 conferences used to be really, really, really bad, but they've gotten better, and they're moving more towards the Nintendo Direct kind of style, which kind of begs the question: like, why do they even need to have a live event? They can just put out a video and. Make it nice and nice and short like Bethesda's conference, which we'll get to. But yeah, they had the drum line show up and they're talking about Madden. And I don't know if you really you don't really play football games, do you? So I, I don't play football games. I haven't played a football game since uh, NFL Street Volume 2, which was a great game. There was an NFL Street? Yeah, NFL Street. It was fucking awesome, man. Oh, dang. I, I did not know about that. I think I put more time into NFL Street than I did NBA Street. And I put a lot of time into NBA Street, man. Those are good games. Yeah. I'm not, an, I'm not a football guy at all. I, I am fucking watched one Super Bowl like in my life. So that's blasphemy to some people, but whatever. Well, yeah, I kind of lumped all the sports together because I don't, I, I pay attention to them in the periphery. And I know like my brother plays Madden. He's still playing NCAA football 2013. Oh God. To this day. Um, and then we we're actually talking about that over the weekend, talking about EA's making NBA live again this year. And, he was like, oh, yeah, they did that two years ago, and that was weird. Didn't really didn't really register. Everyone was still playing 2K. It's like, what else do they have to offer? What do you think about NBA Live 2018? <laughs> so NBA Live, honestly, the, the graphics look fucking... I mean, they look worse than 2K. The, the physics are weird. The animations are weird. I, I was watching it. I was like, you know, this doesn't move the needle for me. There's no way they're going to come out of the gates with a, with a game that is more polished, more pristine, 
controls any tighter. Like 2K has it nailed to like an exact formula after 10 years of, of having, you know, or close to a decade of having the, the strongest basketball simulator ever. I just don't, I don't know what NBA Lab is doing. And they, they kind of, uh, they came out and said, we're going to, you know, we're giving you a whole new way to play. And they showed some crappy little highlight reel of some character models that looked like just like shit to me anyway. Uh, and then they teased a, a new game mode. I, don't, I can't remember what it is now. Like it, it went in one ear and out the other. I didn't care. Uh, same here. I didn't like take any notes on it, but they're showing like doing a, uh, a my career, my player mode, whatever you want to call that, where you have to like RPG style, you have to build your stats. And that's kind of a staple for the simulator basketball oh, games. Cutting but edge. They're showing like getting respect on the streets and then taking that to the court. <laughs> and like, you know, the, the typical tone deaf kind of you're a basketball player and we know about basketball right guys <laughs> at the same time it was it was interesting to me because what if they do inject the nba street kind of formula into that half of the game i wonder if they're trying to like entice people with that because nba street probably isn't strong enough of a, of a an ip for them to make that as a standalone franchise oh man i wish they could bring it back where they want to get those those big numbers to you know necessitate having the nba license if they made a modern NBA Street, like a, a true NBA Street sequel, I think it would do gangbusters. But the thing about that is, like, 2K's had their NBA, uh, it's not Playgrounds, that's the new, that's the new game that just came out. Um, mm. Like, NBA Blacktop, I want to say, where it's, I mean, it's not like this stylized, goofy thing, but it's much more sort of rugged, like, playground basketball. It's three on three. You know, I have buddies who've been bugging me to play, get online and play with them forever. And that's all they do is play the three on three Blacktop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I think that's what it's called. It might be called something different, but so it's not even like that's not even that's not new. It's just well, I would even say it's iterative. They're trying to iterate. Like if right. it's a step backwards, is that an iteration? I guess technically, like yeah, it's not the same thing. But I I wonder if that's gonna sell. What numbers that's gonna pull up? FIFA will do great. Madden will do great. Yeah, that was really it they showed for sports. But then uh, they also showed Need for Speed, which they had like announced. They showed the the name and like a tiny little teaser trailer for the new one need for speed payback and a release date but uh they showed some gameplay they showed a little bit of that that little mission where you're chasing down a truck and seemed like there was a lot of interstitial playback cutting into a cutscene, and then jumping back into playing the game it's sort of like a quick time event but without having to do random button presses right did that really move the needle at all for you i haven't played need for speed since hot pursuit so i have no idea what's going on with that franchise you honestly okay First, let me say, uh, really quick, back to the Madden thing. I thought the story mode actually looked really awesome in the Madden. I know they haven't done the story mode before. It looked really cool. Madden graphics look terrible. This looks like a PS2 game, dude. I don't know what they're doing as far as that goes. But I just want to get that two cents in. Like this, like that story mode may almost makes me want to play that game, uh, which is really weird to have come away from that trailer thinking that. So anyway, as far as Need for Speed goes, that game is gorgeous. No, yeah. I mean, car games show really well, not like looked really tight <laughs> it was it's like you said super cinematic and that's actually what i put in my notes cinematic as fuck i like that they cut it, this this sort of weaving in between like you said the the cutscenes without having to jerk you out of the moment or throwing in quick time events is very seamless uh mm-hmm. and i imagine when you cut into those cutscenes, you still have some sort of control whether it's camera or something otherwise i i don't think that'll work as well as it showed yeah i think it depends it depends because that was like a pretty cutscene ridden kind of 
vertical slice that they showed, but I'm sure the the rest of the game is not going to be as cutscene heavy. They just wanted to like show off. This is what we're doing with the game: is that you're going to be driving, and then you'll do this cool maneuver, and they'll do like the slow motion takedown burnout style with the cars crashing and like all that. Oh, that looks so tight! It was very exciting, right? So I guess it'll depend on how long the campaign is because that's very that's a single player game right there yeah uh, apparently i didn't because i haven't paid attention to need for speed in like 15 years the last one they did was i had to be online all the time because people would like drop in and out while you're like racing around that got a lot of flack like people people did not want that from need for speed they wanted to be able to play offline so they're really showing like yes there's an offline game to this and then yeah sure you can also do online races which of course i don't mean to to stereotype and or possibly displace, you know, our, our, our audience here in any harmful way. But, you know, the kind of guys who are buying Need for Speed are like the 42-year-old potheads who are like playing on their fucking Xbox 360 from 15 years ago. <laughs> They're just like, they just want to race some fucking, they want to get in their stang and they want to go for a race, dude. <laughs> like You're painting a very specific <laughs> picture for not wanting to displace an, an audience. <laughs> it's, to be fair, I know that's not true, but... But yeah, Need for Speed is probably like the smallest racing franchise that's still like a well-known name at right. this point. It's it's It seems pretty niche to me. And the only guys I know who play it are like that guy. Because it's not a sim racer. It's not goofy enough to be like an arcade racer. So it's kind of, where does it fit in? What's it supposed to be? I don't know enough about car games to know one way or the other. But I mean, showing off the single player and having it be like a Fast and Furious action movie kind of style, I think that could be its thing. And if it succeeds and it does it well, that'd be a kind of thing that I I'd, I'd, might want to pick up. And then not like brand new, but like pick it up later down the road on sale. Sure. And then pick it up every couple of years to get like a cool new car story game and Check out the new places. I honestly thought the exact same thing. By, by the end of that cutscene, I thought to myself, this is very GTA, very Fast and Furious. Like, uh, I could be into that. And it makes me almost wish when I was playing GTA 5 that they had more moments like that. Because there's a lot of driving missions. There are a lot of, there's even a lot of cutscenes in GTA 5 where you do, you know, you're chasing a boat and your car flies off and it, these crazy things. But for a game that has the word auto in the name, the driving in Grand Theft Auto has never felt very good to me. Nothing. No, that's what's so weird about the GTA games is nothing about them really feels good. Yeah, so it's kind of a jack of all trades. It just does it all, and it does it all well, and it's got a lot of character. Uh, but like the shooting doesn't feel. Oh, to be fair, third person shooting mechanics like never really feel quite right. Mm. Like they didn't feel good enough for what they are, but it's never what you wish they were. So for Need for Speed, we're both feeling like fairly positive about it. Not like, oh man, I can't wait for that game, but like, oh, I'm kind of interested. Both got our attention. Absolutely. And you know what? I was going to save this, but we're here. I want to mention it. Looking at what the Xbox One X previewed and looking at Forza, Need for Speed looks way nicer than Forza, dude. I, I mean, when I saw the trailer for Forza 7, is that what it is? I, my immediate reaction was like, I don't give a fuck how many pixels are on screen right now. This game looks like shit. I, I wouldn't agree with you that far. Like, I think they both look good because car games look good and like you can really check out the environments and everything but it was it's just a different style of game forza is more sim and need for speed is trying to show off more cinematic moments i'm not too sure what the the gameplay loop is like in forza either but if need for speed is kind of doing these missions and having like levels as opposed to here's a map go explore then i could see why they could show a little bit better in that way so here's something i'm sure we're going to disagree on the next game on our list here is a way out 
Right. That's the uh, the indie game that's being developed by the dude who worked on Brothers Tale of Two Brothers or whatever that, right, game, right. that game was called. The Xbox Live game that everyone had because it cost $5 on a sale once and then they never played it. Uh, I certainly never played it. I heard really good things about it, though. It got a physical release on the X-Bone. Yeah. I mean, people... People gonna love their weird indie titles. I, it never interested me because I didn't like the the core gameplay mechanic of it, controlling two characters. Or I guess you could play it co op. But yeah, yeah, way out. Yeah, was talking about like yeah, we want to have more indie titles because I think they understand we are a big corporation and we have all these huge AAA titles and we make enough money off Madden every year that we can make a hundred games if we wanted to. Right. So there showed up a, a way out, which is a cooperative. I don't know what you would call that, like action adventure game it's a, it's a storyline driven kind of third person over the shoulder gameplay where two players are controlling these two brothers as they're trying to break out of prison and do whatever they're doing um but the main like gimmick of it is that it's only two players you cannot play the game alone and it's always split screen so even if you do play online with somebody else there's still the line down the center and you see what each person is doing because there are parts where one person will be in a cutscene, and another person can be like walking around doing something else or the uh the center line will dynamically move. So if one person is doing a more action oriented thing, it'll give them more screen space so they can see like what they're doing, which I thought that was actually kind of interesting. I, I would wonder if it's just like, I, I want to know what the rules of that are, I guess. But uh, what did you think about that game? I have a lot to say about this right off the bat. I was really intrigued by it. It gives me sort of the until dawn vibe where it's very story driven. You're running around. Uh, I didn't see any quick time events in the trailer. So a game like that, narrative driven, it's got a lot of quick time events. Yeah, I didn't see any like flashing X buttons. Right. So, uh, but I got that vibe. Like, it's going to be very story driven. Mm-hmm. I imagine it'll be, uh, it won't be a linear sort of thing. You can kind of pick and choose how you're going to navigate the story to mm-hmm. a degree anyway. Uh, but I got like Resident Evil vibes, like the new, newest Resident Evil game. I watched a buddy of mine play. I don't know why, but something about the creeping around in the building, trying to escape the, this buildup of suspense. You're 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 creeping around. You're trying to figure out how to escape. You, you're being chased by somebody, and just kind of navigating this world, not knowing what the hell you're doing or where you're going. I don't know why, but as soon as I saw this, I was like, "This feels like RE7 to me," uh, in in a weird way. The co-op only thing is not good. That is uh, that is a. I think I know they're trying to go for this gimmicky thing, and I just that's bad. That's really not great. A lot of people like me. I live with one person who doesn't play games. And I don't have any friends down here in the town I'm in that play games. Um, I guess if you can co-op online, that's okay. Because uh, I can find someone to play with. They confirmed that you can do that. So okay. if both you and I had it, we could open up a Skype call and play through. And it'd be like we were gaming on the couch together. Honestly, so. like I really want to pick this game up. The always split screen thing is not good. We've seen... Like, how eloquent am I? Not good. That bad. Okay, so the old Lego games, the old Lego games, a couple years ago, Lego Jurassic World came out. And I don't know if they'd been doing it for a while, but this was my first experience with it. They got rid of the traditional split screen, and they had that dynamic split screen where, yeah, if a character would go off, it would it would split weird. And depending on who was, was like you said, if there was more action-oriented, it would kind of morph to fit what they were doing. And then you come together and then the split screen would disappear when you were like in the same area. And then it was really disorienting. And I think they brought the classic split screen back in in newer games because people didn't like it. So when I see a game like this being developed, I'm like, you have a point of reference for this. It obviously didn't work. Why? It sounds like a completely different experience. And I don't think you can actually compare the two because that sounds like it's morphing back into a one frame 
and like merging two cameras and i could see how that could be disorienting but if it's each player is controlling their own camera always then i don't see how that could be a problem also the game's designed specifically around it being split screen all the time so i'm sure they play with that in a more like case-by-case manner than you would where it's sort of like a a weird fix to a problem where you have two players on screen at one time and then they wander away from each other. Well, either way, I guess we'll kind of see what uh, the the dev cycle has for this, kind of what, what they start leaking when it gets closer. I mean, it says early 2018, but who knows when the fuck that actually means. No, yeah, I, I, I would imagine that's more like a summer release. Uh, that'll probably get delayed and then pushed to summer. I'll definitely pick it up if it's reasonably priced. I want to check it out. The, the concept was really intriguing to me. Just this sort of game without, like, for some reason, I feel like there aren't a lot of games like this that aren't like horror driven or, or even something like, uh, God, what's... I thought it seemed more like an uncharted than it did uh, a resident evil. Really? Yeah. I mean, they're, they weren't doing anything creepy. Well, I mean, resident evil is more built around the survival mechanics than it is around like, Hey, cover yourself and just shoot everything. Uncharted is just kill everything and then jump occasionally. Uh, this seemed more, it was more about the survival, the exploration, the like figuring what the fuck is going on. Uh, and that's why I got to more of RE, more until dawn sort of vibes. But I don't know. They didn't show enough to kind of know if that's going to be the case or not. But I, I see the uncharted comparison as far as like the camera and kind of how you're navigating the world. Like, like I see that. Yeah. And there was that, they showed that bit where one person is driving and the other person sitting in the back of the truck and then like shooting cars that are pursuing them so uh, those action those big action set pieces that you would see in a naughty dog game that's where i'm kind of getting that comparison i, I would be happy if there was more of there if there are going to be more action-oriented sections of the game and it, you know especially if they can get the gunplay right because a lot of the times you see this they'll just throw the gunplay in because they feel like they need to to appease a wider audience like do oh, they want bullets let's give them bullets and it, it just doesn't work it feels tacked on so ho- i hope that they do it right if they're going to do that kind of thing Speaking of action and bullets. Here we fucking go, dude. This, okay, I was not expecting something this big from EA. Like, you know, like, like we talked about, we got sports, we got Need for Speed, we got like maybe an indie title and then Star Wars. But then when they came out and they showed that little, that just that little teaser for Anthem and then said, okay, yeah, we'll see more at the Xbox conference tomorrow. And then I'm going to go ahead and just lump this all in. Totally. Do it. For like the gameplay. And they just saved it for literally the very end of the Microsoft conference and they showed like quite a long, like six minutes of gameplay yeah. from that. And we're talking about Anthem, which has a tentative release window of uh, fall 2018. We'll see if that happens, but this game caught my eye. This game looks very, very interesting. Hell yeah. It's, it's giving me very strong destiny co-op vibes, but also with a more interesting kind of setting like the, I haven't seen much of destiny, but just having that, city initial area where you're wandering through a very mediterranean kind of like cyberpunk kind of setting is always based on the, the middle east for some reason just the shops and stuff but right i digress but you walk you get you get a mission and then you go and you jump in your iron man suit kind of titanfall-esque totally and then you're just flying through that 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 tunnel i was like that was really cool that was a really cool moment and then as soon as they're like, all right, let's split up. I'll go down. You go th- hit the side. And she dives underwater. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking geek, dude. My mind exploded. That was so tight. I've never seen underwater look that cool in a video game before. Tell me what you think about Anthem. Okay. To- okay the only notes I wrote down for this was Destiny meets Titanfall? Question mark. 
because I, I watched when I made the notes, I had only I had yet to see the gameplay from the Xbox conference. I'd only seen the trailer. Oh man, yeah, the, the trailer is like, oh, that's kind of cool, but it does not show literally anything about the right. game. So then I watched the gameplay demo. And yeah, when he's flying through, like that was exhilarating just watching. I'm like, I can't wait to just fly around in my, my jetpack. That looks awesome. Uh, the thing about it is, yeah, it obviously looks you like... smack your mic stand around. Yeah, I'm just beating the thing. Don't don't <laughs> mind me. The thing about this that interests me, you know, I played a lot of Destiny, as I've said before, but what I, ne- I never played that game for the world, for the story, for the, the, the lore, which there is a lot of. It's just not very accessible. You just have to... Go onto a website and read it. It's fucking uh, what, what garbage. Yeah, I, so that's not why I got into that game. I, I mean, I enjoy the world that they they crafted, like as far as just like what you're experiencing while you're running around and shooting things. But uh, the mechanics for that game, the gunplay was was top notch. But what looks so great about Anthem is that it's going to take that formula and it's putting you into an actual open world that you can explore. So it feels a lot more like like Mass Effect in a way, where you're you're able to explore uh, these big open environments. I know, I know the original Mass Effect games weren't traditionally like open world games, but you know, the, we, just when you got dropped into that world, it was like, cause Destiny, you're at a hub world, you teleport to where you want to go and you have a fixed area you can control or you can patrol. But if you're doing any story stuff, it's very linear. It takes you on a very clear path and it, it just, it never felt, they didn't deliver on the promise of this open universe experience. Destiny is, uh, is it primarily first person also, right? It's all first person. Yeah. Except when you're dancing, it goes to the third person. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, when you're in the hub world, it's third person, but you don't do anything there except walk. So like side note, like with what you're saying, I feel like being able to see your character on screen is a, is a huge plus for an exploration game. Gives you a better, you know, view of like angle of view and being able to like know where you are and yeah. In relation to relation. Yeah. In relation to your surroundings, is like huge for that kind of gameplay. And then it looked like it went when she was shooting, it was in a iron sides, like kind of zoom in kind of view. So I, I would imagine there's going to be some mo- like uh, weapons that you're using that will be first person. But then when you switch out, then it's going to go back to third person. Cause that guy did that cool area of effect, kind of ground pound killed a bunch of little, little shit mobs. Right. That was tight. I really hope that there's a first person option. I know like battlefront did that, with their last release and it divided some people because, you know, there were advantages to going third person uh, that you couldn't get it going first person. And so a lot of people, especially competitive players would, would play third person, but it just doesn't feel nearly as good. It doesn't feel the way it should in third person. So I hope there's at least the option, even though that's kind of, I think a little more difficult to develop for, but it, I, I still don't know. Is this going to be more multiplayer driven PVP PVE, or is this going to be more story? Uh, narrative driven and going through and actually experiencing a concise game. I wonder that too, from just what they showed, it seems like they wanted to highlight that you're receiving a mission. They wanted to highlight that had, they had facial animation that was working. Mm-hmm. Zing. Yeah. You receive a quest <laughs> and then immediately you buddy up and then you're, they discover an area and like, Oh, we'll go back to that with someone else. Cause they haven't gone through there either. So it was giving me like MMO kind of receiving a quest and then going to missions you saw a little thing pop up, said new discovery when she went underwater. And then they had that storm at the end, which they spoke of more in, in depth with the, the developer as he was like narrating and saying, you know, like these are like pseudo random kind of procedurally generated events that you'll stumble across. And then they're kind of like special raids, I would, I would guess would be the kind of comparison with Destiny. Sure. But it seemed like they leaned like 
that there is going to be story stuff that it won't be like super in depth and that they're showing off exploration. Uh, they showed off loot drops, which is a huge like gameplay loop for destiny a la borderlands. And I don't know. It just seemed like it had like a lot of cool gameplay elements that I'd be very interested in. I had a buddy text me and he says, what's, what's the deal with the anthem, man? Why is everyone talking about this? It looked pretty, but the gameplay looks like shit. And I think he just meant the third person. I don't think he looked, you know, was much more analytical than that. He saw that it was a over the shoulder thing and, and it kind of turned him off. And so that really is my only concern. I think the formula there for creating a solid shooter, a solid MMO, a solid PVE experience, it's all there. Like there's no reason that the good Bioware team, the Mass Effect team can't nail this. And bonus, they, they, they tapped, uh, Drew Carpetian to write the story. I don't know if it's campaign mode. They were vague. Right. And this game's still a year and a half away. So, right. They, they can afford to be a little bit vague with that. Right. Uh, but he's best known for, he did like the Darth Bane trilogy in this old Star Wars canon. He wrote all of the old Mass Effect books, which I don't know if those were original stories or if they're adaptations. He wrote some of the Darth Revan books, if I recall correctly. So he's got, quite the pedigree when it comes to sci-fi fantasy so i think i think that's really awesome when i heard that i was like okay like instantly already i'm sold on this being a better narrative than anything destiny ever hoped it would be right yeah i I just want to see more and that's a good sign yeah but it's it's a ways out like this is over a year out and well i don't know i i I could see this being delayed but i have a feeling it probably will come out next fall because if it doesn't come out in the fall they can't release this in the summer they can't like it would have to wait till the following fall yeah and like the code name for it the Development name has like it leaked like a while ago, so this this has been in development for four years or so, I think. Yeah, so I have a feeling we'll we'll get that on time. I'm excited for it. it looks cool. I want to I want to hear more about it. All right, you're the Battlefront nerd. Tell me what uh, caught your eye with Battlefront Two. Okay, couple things here. Battlefront Two looks cool. The graphics look even sexier. It looks slick. It looks sleek. Obviously, a lot of reused assets though. It still looks like the first Battlefront game, which is no surprise. Some things I'm excited about. First off, this beautiful woman walk, walked out on stage. All right. And I realize I'm like, wait a minute. I recognize her. I realize it's Shiva Kamini Soma Kanda Kram from one of my favorite sitcoms. I guess it's not a sitcom. What is the league? What is the league? It's not a sitcom. Yeah, it's kind of a sitcom. Is that what you call a sitcom nowadays? I don't know. The, the, the genres, they've, they've morphed. But yeah, it's like, it's a comedy sitcom. I mean, it's a com. it's situational. It's comedy. It's sitcom. Sitcom you think of like live audience and haha, look at me looking at the camera and it, I don't know. Anyway, so that was cool because I love that show and I think she's wonderful. And so it was kind of weird to see her come out and like spend the entire time, like her sitting up there talking about like, you know, mentioning Star Wars characters and locations and like sort of like some deep nerd knowledge. And I'm like, this is weird, but I like it. But dude, okay. Single player. That looks cool. Let's hope it's a nice long campaign and the story weaves in with the canon in a meaningful way. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to completely cover the gap between um, episodes three and four or six and seven. My bad. Yeah, it's the 40 years gap there. 30 years gap. There's quite a gap. So, yeah, it's supposed to take place over that entire thing. Like you start with the Death Star getting blown up and then everyone like the Emperor's dead. What do we do? Like, oh, well, we're the baddies. So we got to do this weird turn to being good, maybe or sometimes bad. And there's a lot of story stuff they can play with there. So what's so great about the new Star Wars canon is that they've really, for the first time, in a meaningful way, managed to make me empathize with like this fictional empire and the people who work for the empire, which is billions large, like the like literally billions of people under employee of the empire. And you really realize that when you're reading some of these books, there's some great books like Lost Stars and then Battlefront, Twilight Company, and even watching like Rogue One, we're, we're seeing we have this window into this world now. 
which is really great. And kind of see how a lot of these people, like they don't realize the empire is evil. It's just people doing their job, working for the government, essentially. So I'm really interested to see how they handle that and if they are as nuanced as some of the other newer canonical, you know, comic books, books, even some of the TV show stuff. So far, I don't know. They haven't shown enough. But just the fact that I can have a 10, 12, 14 hour experience by myself playing Battlefront, that's all I wanted in the first one. I, I don't want to just play this slow, you know, like that's the thing is the first Battlefront game was really slow. Especially coming off of Destiny, where it's fast paced, it's tight, you're bouncing around, jumping around, blowing things up. Getting to, to Battlefront, it was just is clunky. It was it felt like you were running through mud the whole time. It just didn't feel very good. Like it was cool because it was Star Wars, but if it were any other shooter, uh, I think it would have been even more panned than it was because it didn't. I think it was uh, met to very mediocre sort of reviews and and praise. Right, people were lukewarm on it, which is not what you want from a Star Wars game. I think most of the lukewarmness was more from the fact there wasn't a lot of content at launch as opposed to the quality of that content. I totally believe that's a fair assessment. And then there was more added. Having that trickle out definitely lowers initial reviews, which that's a bummer, but that's what they chose to do. Yeah, and having a $150 season pass or whatever the fuck it was, pretty heinous. They're going free DLC now. Yeah, I mean, that was the big thing that stuck out for me. It seemed like they understood exactly what people didn't like about the the first Battlefront. I say first, but it wasn't the first, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And they met it with, okay, you guys wanted a single player where we're going, this one has a single player. You guys don't like having to pay for a shit ton of DLC. This has completely free DLC, which will be added. Like when The Last Jedi comes out, there's going to be additions from that in the game. Just they'll, they'll just download. Yeah, perfect. So it was nice to see that EA being responsive and been listening to the fan base and saying, okay, yeah, well, we hear you and we're going to make it better. I hope that there are more game modes. Like, you know, so far we haven't heard anything about Galactic Conquest, which was like this, there was like a game board where you're uh, engaging in these skirmishes to take control of different territories, kind of like this Galactic Monopoly. I mean, nothing like Monopoly, but you know what I'm saying. I want that game mode and have it, you know, be single player, ideally. Couch co-op is back, but wasn't very good in the first one. Like only a few modes, including like one of the bigger modes you could play was like the practice or the tutorial modes you could you could co-op, which is like so stupid. I want classic couch co-op joining these huge battles. I can set bots uh, and do whether it's whether it's like team deathmatch or whatever the equivalent is. I can't remember or you know just give me all of it, but single player mode or couch co-op optional. I love that we were going back to the prequels. We're getting, oh God, I don't know what you call it anymore. Do we have prequel trilogy, original trilogy, and now sequel trilogy? Is that we're going to, this hasn't been established yet. I don't know. The sequel trilogy, Force, Force Awakens era, I guess. You can't say first because, do you mean the one, two, and three, or four, five, and four, yeah, five, and it's six? it's all like, fucked up. Yeah. Damn it, George. Damn it, Georgie. Uh, so I, it all looks good. It looks good. It looks exactly like what we would expect. I am afraid that it's still going to be the slow, clunky shooter. I doubt they went back to the drawing board in, in the last 18 months or whatever. And something they were talking about as far as like actual PVP gameplay is that it's going to be class based. Okay. Which I guess they went with with Battlefield, which you played Battlefield 1, right? I, I did. I did not play anything online. I don't know what that really does to impact the gameplay with online stuff, but maybe there's going to be certain classes that are quicker than others, certain classes that are slower than others. And, oh, we need a healer. I'll play a healer. We need a tank. I'll play a tank. That kind of thing. I mean, are they taking some cues from Overwatch? No. I mean, it's not like Overwatch invented classes in a shooter. There's shooter, like every 
major shooter has a class system. Well, in Battlefront, it was a weird uh, upgrade system, and then you had like these special abilities you could equip, and you didn't have loadouts, and like it just it they did not sort of implement any of the traditional shooter mechanics or 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 the trappings you know so did you watch the uh i guess that was a that was a log part of the ea conference there's like a half hour where they're doing like a like a pvp match and they're kind of showing some of the interstitially they're showing the the class systems while also badly narrating the the gameplay yeah no i think i think it all looked really good it was kind of cool to see the clone troopers i think that was in Theed, the battle in naboo there yeah dude that stage looks awesome that i mean Say what you want about the prequels, but they had really, really interestingly designed like cities and settings. Totally. I think that's the best part about the prequels was the world building was there uh, and it was visually striking. That's one thing George Lucas did so well. It was very visually compelling. Right. And that, that translates so beautifully into a multiplayer map. Right. And I really hope that we see some really great, greatly designed uh, locations with the single player campaign as well i'm bummed that the single player campaign isn't going to reach across all that's way too ambitious i mean is you it know? they want to have like a, just a story they don't want to have oh let's play the movies this is like a new thing well okay i do appreciate that what the original battlefront 2 did was it had you were following like a a battalion like a tr- a, a troop of, of clone troopers i mean that was also when episodes one two and three were coming out so it was relevant but this is like 20 years later but then like even in the og one they i don't know what you're doing to be here on camera i'm serving you you're serving <laughs> me damn dude well they they also they had a, a they had a original trilogy story i think it bled over like the clone after the Re- republic fell the clone troopers transitioned into stormtroopers and they they carried the narrative across all the movies at the time um i like this i think it'll be cool and there's a book coming out right yeah and they they, they talked about the or I say they, but it was that the one actress for the for the single player campaign. She was kind of heading the event and like talking about it. She seemed really excited about it, like totally nerding out, which is cool. Shiva Kamini Soma Kandakram. Like she was like, yeah, you should read the book. The book's really cool. Well, of course she said that. Because I, I watched an interview with her on the Giant Bombcast afterwards. And she was like talking about how when she heard that there was going to be a, a single player storyline. And she when she got the role, she's like, okay. She like DM'd the writer. And was like, okay, what do I need to like read to like get myself into this role? I want to like absorb as much Star Wars stuff as I can. And they're like, okay, yeah, here's like some some of the book. And she's like, yeah, the books helped me get into character for that for the storyline. So it ties in for her personally, also. Right. That's I mean, that's really cool to to hear about the new the new book's gonna be called Inferno Squad. That's cool. At Twilight Company, I've got Inferno Squad. I love that. That's just so that makes me geek out, dude. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's the the name of the squad that you're a part of in the storyline right what's her name janina gavankar i was thinking like it was like janine or jolene or something like that but yeah janina yeah very cool very cool i'm excited uh i'm excited about it i think it'll be cool i'm gonna pick it up day one of course i am let's move on though that was a lot of time spent on ea i think we're gonna spend a lot less time on xbox here if we don't go down the 4k rabbit hole i'll try to be brief with my my ramblings and my my rage i don't think anybody really cares about what you think is going on with like this actually meeting technical specifications or whatever. Is it more powerful than the PS4 Pro? I mean, this is a beast of a console. It's got vapor chambers. Dude! It's got... Vape life! It's smaller than an Xbox One S. When I, they they showed the side by side. It's amazing. Like, they made it smaller. That's amazing, dude. <laughs> it's wild, but they announced the name Xbox One X, which oh, is so gross. Bad. But if you... It's just... 
if you look at it as far as uh but not an anagram but a anagram xbox it's an xbox i don't know um but then they they they've got a release date they've got they've had the specs out for a long time and they did a really smart thing by giving it to digital foundry which they're like the spec nerds they they count the frames right like they're they're your go-to place for is this actually is it running better right but yeah so they've had that they've had their specs out for a while they've recently said oh yeah our devs wanted a little bit more ram so we put more ram in it okay you happy now it's coming out november 7th it's 499 us dollars which is not ideal but i think for everything they put into that thing that is a that's a that's a fair price it's a very nice price i imagine they're taking a loss on hardware which traditionally is fine it's it's a fucking beast of a console this is fucking awesome yeah it's really cool here here are the few problems with it and i think Pretty much everything about the console is a problem. They did everything wrong. When we talked about this several pods ago about like how they're going to market this, you know, I said they need to get away from the 4K thing. They need to market this as the next generation of games, and they need to bring in exclusives. They did none of that. I mean, they showed some Xbox and Windows 10 exclusives, and we'll get to those. Everything about that initial bit of the conference, thankfully, it was immersively very short. Very short section of the conference was dedicated to the xbox one x x x x terrible fucking name dude it's so bad having it sound exactly like s is not very great to for people who say the word out loud like xbox one was a bad name then xbox one s was just a a, a logical progression of an already terrible name xbox one x is such an abortion apple's done both of those things they've done the x and they've done the s i think that's different because no one is going and saying, hey, I want the, like, hey, mom, dad, I want the iPhone 7S for Christmas. Like, there is no iPhone 7X to get the, confused with. Like, that's the thing is. Not yet. What if that's the next iPhone? You don't even know yet. Well, I guess that's that's really valid. We could get the fucking iPhone 7X supercharged turbo deluxe. But yeah, it's it's not great. It's it's the same problem that the Wii U, not even the same problem, but it's it's a similar problem. Very similar. You see this thing, you're like, oh, the Xbox. At least Xbox One and having it spelled out, one is a little bit better because you're like, oh, it's the it's not the 360 anymore. And then one asks you to say, oh, it's the Xbox One, but it's got a, a smaller price tag. I mean, I guess I think it works fine. This is a boutique item for power users in the Xbox camp, which I don't know if there even really are that many on that side anymore. But power users in the Xbox camp are called PC gamers, Nick. I mean, you could make that same conversation with the PlayStation 4, but I think like I don't think they have the expectations that this is going to sell. This is going to be their new Xbox. This is just their higher tier Xbox. And we've seen that with the PS4 Pro and they've said how many they've sold with that since they launched it, it was just like 1 in 5, so 20% of their PS4 is sold over the holiday where ps4 pros and i'm sure they reap the benefits of selling that hardware for that price point so i don't think they're selling the xbox one x at a loss because they have to make as much money off of it as they can because they're not benefiting themselves by having a higher price skew otherwise right i've got a feeling that they microsoft has shown they're kind of hitting like the nintendo stride where they're just out of touch they think their shit don't stink even after the utter failure of the, well, I don't want to say utter failure of the Xbox One, because by any other metric, it's done really well. It's just that PlayStation has done historical numbers. But they, I just don't, I just don't get what they're doing. As much technology as in the Xbox One X, this would be a bigger leap between this current gen and a, and a potential next gen than we got between like PS3 and PS4 
in that generation. This would have been a bigger leap had they not focused on cramming more pixels in, but focused on just boosting the fidelity of their current games and focusing solely on developing for a new box, maximizing the graphics capabilities. We would have had a meaningful leap in visual fidelity had that been the direction they wanted to go. They literally can't do that, though, because there aren't enough people that have 4K TVs. They say 4K, but it's basically just like a minor future proof to be like holiday season comes up and somebody gets a 4K TV. They look at what that does 4K stuff. And I think they nailed it by having a 4K Blu-ray player where Sony doesn't have that for some bizarre reason. Like they they own the rights for Blu-ray. Why don't they have a... (laughs) It's bad. (laughs) It's really dumb. But developers aren't going to make games that utilize the full capabilities of the strongest PC right now. So why would they do that for a console that's like doing that for $600 or some astronomical amount? Like they had to hit this price point and they had to make it a meaningful upgrade. It, it's it's trying to fit so many circles that I think they they did their best and I think they're they did better than what PlayStation did with the PS4 Pro. I agreed. And then as far as sales and making this like push sales, I think this sitting right next to the 1S at 250 optically makes the 1S seem cheaper than a $50 price drop actually does. Yeah. So if you see those two Xboxes, I mean they they've come out and said like yeah, we're we're not expecting this style so although Xbox 1S I think they're going to have a really good year this year with the Xbox One S at the lower price, especially with like the games they've shown, which they're pretty minor, but I mean, it's, it's more, right? Just to wrap up the, the hardware shit, I think it's totally tone deaf. If they had waited a year, Sony, like the PS4 is already showing its age. You know, it wasn't cutting edge when it came out in 13. That was only four years ago. Traditionally, console life cycles are only five years. We only had one console generation that lasted more than that and that was because of the crash in 08 and the economy falling apart five years is long enough i would argue that it was also amd stagnating and intel getting complacent and that just cpu and gpu manufacturers have kind of they're not hit they haven't hit the ceiling obviously but they plateaued leaps and bounds but they've they've plateaued quite a bit so you're not going to see huge leaps anymore until something happens that's true and and to your point about you know developers aren't going to you know we our games could look, I mean, better than they do now for sure. But but a, a tangible upgrade in visual fidelity if developers would develop for the most powerful PC. But they can't do that because they need to kind of hit the 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 lowest common denominator in a lot of ways. Right. People have to have the hardware to capable right. of playing those things. But now the Xbox One X is strong enough. Like I said, that we could have had if they would have just tried to usher in a new generation. I know I understand the problem. There aren't enough developers because Sony is killing the console game right now. There are all those developers who would say, we'd rather get these games into the hands of 50 million people than to push your new generation with this powerful hardware. Like, we don't need to do that. So I get that, which means that you either should have waited or they should have tried to force Sony's hand. Like, come out and just bluff. Like, this is the next generation. None of this backwards compatible with, with the Xbox One. Like, this is a new generation. Sell it for $499. It's this beast of a console. Drop some, like, really awesome AAA exclusives and just like try to force Sony's hand into dropping the PS5 next year and then boom, new console generation and we can move forward at the rate we've been moving. I just don't see I don't see graphics being enough to to push Sony's hand. Like the only reason 360 succeeded to push Sony's hand with the PS3 is because 360 had so much going for it as far as online and we don't have that that problem anymore. There's no disparate elements with xbox's online versus playstation's online really right so, sony's kind of caught up 
so graphically they're not going to be able to push that because there wasn't even that big of a difference between ps3 and ps4 graphics like you were saying yeah there's not going to be that much of a difference between xbox one and xbox two graphics so they basically just had to copy paste what sony did last year but do it with a little bit more grace and understanding yeah i and i like i said i understand that but there could have been that leap and i think that's that's what consumers care about they want the best version of their games within budget that's why not everyone's jumping on the pc gaming bandwagon but uh, this is only i mean this is what the xbox one was originally selling for it's a hundred dollars more than what the ps4 pro is selling now and it is it is two plus times more powerful than that so i feel like if they would have come out and like really wowed because like i said when they we get into the games here they showed like forza i i was not impressed with that i like my first reaction was like why does this look so bad i don't care that it's presented in 4k it means nothing to me on my phone I don't care about the number of pixels on screen, especially at an uh, 8 to 10 foot viewing distance. That doesn't matter. 4K versus 1080 at that distance, you are not getting an improved image. You're just not. Your eye can't see that. It doesn't matter. I, so I guess for the few people who care about 4K, this will be the box for them. I think it's going to cause all sorts of issues like the PS4 Pro has with developers who have to develop multiple versions of the game across different systems. They're going to have to make at least four different versions now. Yeah, that's insane. Of, of all the cross-platform games. That's crazy. And this is so much more powerful that it's like the PS4 Pro was it more powerful enough that it's like, okay, we can tweak some things and we can boost your frame rate, right? Or or we update anti-aliasing. Something that it's a, literally a flick of a button for them. It's, it isn't re-optimizing and rebuilding this or that, right? Like it would be for like porting to a Nintendo console versus a, a PS4 or something. Like it's not that much work. But the Xbox One X is so much more powerful. It is a whole new console generation as far as hardware goes. So either it'll be vastly underutilized, which is what's going to happen, or the Xbox One versions are going to run like such shit they're unplayable. There's going to be a middle ground where one or the other suffers. It's probably going to be the $500 machine, not the $250 machine. Phil Spencer was also on the Giant Bomb kind of late night after E3 show. And uh, they're, they're talking about the new hardware and all that kind of stuff. And something that he was stressing... In that show that impressed me a lot more than really anything they talked about with the One X during the E3 press conference itself was he was talking about dev kits. They wanted to have the the very best developer kit. Right. And so just showing that they had that that foresight and that knowledge that they need to make developers feel happy with like porting their games. They was talking about um I can't, they was talking about a game that someone was playing with and getting it to run on the Xbox One X and it said it took them like a day to get it to run. And then from there, they were just like optimizing it to make it. They had to like turn stuff up from like their highest rated PC setting or whatever Ooh. to like try and like max it out. <laughs> yeah. To like, oh, we're still hitting 120 frames. Let's try and dial that back because nobody has 120 hertz TVs. So that kind of stuff like that makes me more bullish about the One X than the PS4 Pro because it seems like Sony has not been developer friendly with that because yeah. how many games can you think of that actually have pro compatibility? Yeah, sure. They added that new uh, thing in the settings where you can say, oh, yeah, try and make it run better if you can. And yeah. if it crashes it, then turn it back off. But like that's so like janky sounding. It's not even by game by game basis. The thing about the One X that's cool is that they're offering super sampling for if you are running at 1080p. Uh, but the, the thing is, is super sampling is you literally you're rendering at, at a 4K and down sampling that to 1080. So like you are getting a crisper image even at 1080p but like i don't necessarily care about that i want 
like I said, I want to boost my fucking anti-aliasing. I want more blades of grass, and I want a smoother frame rate. If you look at something like Destiny, they're saying, oh, it's not going to run at 60 frames on the... That's not the... That's not Xbox's problem. That's the developer's fault for not utilizing it. Absolutely. Obviously. And they can't do... For Destiny, because they have to make the game for the 1S also... I know. They can't have double the the frame rate, because that gives people a literal advantage in gameplay. That is the problem with iterative consoles, and why everyone said that console generations are over, and I have staunchly said... That is not going to be good for the video game industry because we have this problem now where we are plateauing visually when we don't have to. We can keep making these incremental upgrades, you know, but it right like right now we're looking at another five years now of this. And it's like the last gen was it seventh gen. Uh, are we in the eighth gen? Ninth. Oh, my God. Where are we? Who cares? Where are we? There's no such thing as generations anymore. Nintendo abolished that with the Wii U. <laughs> oh, those motherfuckers. So it, anyway, yeah, it's just, it's like, honestly, the games now aren't looking much better than games we had in 2007. We're going to, we're going to be looking at almost you know, a decade and a half of like, of just kind of stagnation. Like, I mean, that's, I'm being hyperbolic. They definitely look better, but it's just like either try to push it forward or I don't know. It just, I feel like the games are going to look the same. They're going to play the same, but it's going to cost you more money and it's going to piss developers off. Even though they're trying to be developer friendly, it's just. I, I just don't see what the point of this is. What's the point of this machine if they're not ushering in a new generation, if their games aren't going to look any better, and they have to develop for a console that's got a quarter of the power? Yeah, that's an interesting thought experiment, but I, I don't I don't know what the tangible differences would be if they made the Xbox One X an actual new generation. Like, what would that look like? That's that's a little bit uh, too heady and above my pay grade. Like, I'm sure they have people. They've got engineers that and, like, marketing people and, like, businessmen who who've looked into that and like you know i don't think people will buy this more if it's a different generation and developers have had their own input for that kind of stuff too i mean ah, who knows well hey let's get into the games here i want to talk about the big games and then i'm gonna shit on some of the small games here okay the big games so i've got these i separated them i went through the entire the entire showcase and i picked each one that they showed right and i put them in three different categories where it was either exclusive uh i showed world premiere and then some some of their other games that they showed that didn't have a it wasn't a world premiere it was exclusive but they said hey this is going to be on the console right so we talked about forza it looks like a racing game it looks like a racing simulator yeah I'm, I, i've never played any forza game so it's a racing game i was really unimpressed like i said my first reaction was holy crap need for speed looks a lot better so I want to talk about the world premieres because they're the only games that I think are honestly worth talking about besides like, like I'm going to give Cuphead a shout out because I've been waiting for that game for years and I think it looks awesome. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the premieres here. I'm going to go in reverse order of what you have listed here because I really, really want to fucking talk about Dragon Ball Fighter Z. So you don't want to talk about Life is Strange before the storm? Oh, I didn't even see that there. I don't care. I haven't played Life is Strange. I'm not interested. I don't care. Do you care about that game? No, it's just uh, it's interesting because Life is Strange happened a couple years ago. I guess Square Enix is like publishing it now. I, I have no idea. But this is a prequel, and then the actual developer is developing a sequel. Like, so it's just very strange. Life, Life is, is strange. strange huh? I don't know. So yeah, like like you said though, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, that game. Wow, looks so sick. Wow, dude. Arc system works. The dudes behind Guilty Gear. Yeah. are making a MVC three on three kind of style fighting game, dude. Dragon ooh. Ball characters, which you know, we've seen, we've seen so many Dragon Ball Z fighter fighting games, but this seems like it has the care put into it 
that the other ones have not even remotely reached. This looks really cool. This looks like it could be an Evo staple for several years to come, too. I really hope so. It, it's being developed by a real fighting team for the first time pretty much ever. So that's that's like I'm already sold. A couple things here. I played Dragon Ball's universe, which was kind of it was brought in this kind of resurgence of Dragon Ball fighting games. Well, it's not a fighting game, though. It is an open world action game that uses elements of fighting game stuff. You you are in a 3D environment and all you do is punch things. That is the only thing you do. Like is Smash Brothers a fighting game? Is Dragon Ball a fight? Like it's. I well, mean, since you literally only fight in that, then yes. But there's like traversal and like other weird shit. Is Double Dragon a fighting game? Is Battletoads a fighting game? No, there's differences. There there is differences. But in a game like that, you're like, yeah, you're traversing this world. Okay, so we've agreed that Dragon Ball's universe is a beat 'em up. <laughs> oh God, man. I mean, I'm. Yeah, right? No, come it on, you're killing is. me here. You're, no, it's not. You're pissing me off with this. Um, universe was less of a fighting game. It was more like it had very MMO controls where you just had like, like you weren't doing these crazy combos really. You, you pretty much just had hotkeys for your special moves. So it, yeah, it was more of a whatever. Who fucking cares? But what Xenoverse did well, Nick, was capture what I think honestly for one of the first times I've played almost every Dragon Ball Z fighting game. Okay. Xenoverse really captured to me what it felt like. Like, I felt like I was playing, like, I was in these fights, and I felt like it, it really captured the spirit, the feel, the, not just the look, and, like, I've said physics too many times today, but it, it felt like a fight you were watching in the anime, where other games, they either didn't look right, or they didn't feel right. Uh, there have been some exceptions, but but I thought Xenoverse really nailed the feel of, of what combat is like in the show. Mm. Really love the game. I haven't played much of the second one, but it's more of the same, pretty much. So, this, I think... When I saw the trailer for this and looked at some of the gameplay demos, this feels more like Dragon Ball Z than any game I've seen ever. Yeah, it looks it looks really good. It has that uh, cell shaded anime style that Guilty Gear has really embraced. Yeah, with their last their last game. I I wonder if you're actually gonna like the gameplay of this though, because it is a super fighting ass game, fighting game. My fight, my favorite and- fighting game ever is Marvel vs. Capcom Two, and if it can capture that with Dragon Ball Z characters. I am so far up this game's asshole, dude. Like, it's not even funny. You're going to get a fight stick? I, I No, I don't get why people like fight sticks. I don't get it. They're clunky. They're unnatural. Your your hands are all fucked up like this, like carpal tunnel, like to the max. And the joystick, or the, the thing, it's not right. In my opinion, controllers are evil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a little, but, little prequel knowledge like, for you there. Fighting games started in the arcade, so it makes complete sense for fight sticks to exist. And when you're doing the types of inputs that a game like Street Fighter uses, a fight stick is way more natural than a thumbstick is. So I understand that. And it seems like from what I've heard with hands-on time that people have had with this game is that it is like quarter circles and Street Fighter kind of inputs. So maybe that's a thing that is real. I'm not sure. I, I, I Obviously, I haven't played this game. And it could be just a character by character basis. Yeah. But if it's going to be doing those kind of movements, then yeah, a fight stick would be easier to do that stuff. I can't do a head open with, really? a, with a with an actual gamepad. No, I'm it, my fingers go completely retarded. I I can't. I ended up jumping. It's like it, it, it's dumb. Okay, so because I've spent my entire life playing fighting games with a controller. Obviously, games like Street Fighter, honestly, I think are a little more difficult with it with a D pad. When you when you bring a joystick in, it's a lot easier to emulate what you do on the fight stick, but it's in a much more comfortable form factor so i don't know i'm not a fight fight stick kind of guy i don't think i'll ever will be uh and i'm not gonna play this game competitively so i don't need to be and you know what i kicked ass at mvc too 
I, I still kick Max's ass. And he always said, of course, oh, I'm not a Marvel versus Capcom guy. I play real fighting games. Suck my dick is what I got to say. Shout out to our boys on, <laughs> on the Hill Have Eyes podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Precipice Between Two Hills. Precipice Between Two Hills. Go check them out. They used to be the number one powerless podcast, but now... I don't know what their shtick now is we're now. we're the number one powerless podcast. Oh, no, I don't know. That's terrible. So, so yeah, I, I, like, I kicked ass that game with a controller. I love that game. If this can get feel anything like that, like, dude, this is my dream Dragon Ball game. Heard good things. So, I mean, visually, it's it's stunning. It looks like the show. It feels like the show. It's so stylized, though, in a way that the show kind of couldn't be because of the era it was produced in, I feel like. Like, this looks even flashier than the show somehow. Well, it's also a cohesive art style, which scene by scene, that Dragon Ball Z varied in quality just because sure. of how fast they're trying to crank it out. Right. It's amazing to me that this franchise is still as relevant as it is 30 years later. It's amazing, dude. It's It blows me away. One last thing before we move on to a different game. Something very minor that they do is when uh, one of your characters is knocked out, and another character is brought in. There's a quick little scene where they mash their arms against each other and whatever they're fighting. But then it resets to neutral. So for fighting game fans out there, that's an interesting take on the on the 3v3 kind of fighting game. My last note here is I really hope that we get an English voice cast. We probably will. I would imagine we would, right? I hope, it seems like it's going to be kind of a marquee title. This is, uh, this is slated for early 2018. So what they're showing is definitely what they've been working with. So Japanese stuff. Right. I played Extreme Butoden on the 3DS. I think it was an admirable attempt at a 2D Dragon Ball Z fighter. thought it was really great for what it was. It wasn't the deepest game in the world. But it was really cool. The art style was fun. But it was Japanese-only voices, which really ruined it for me when I was playing with the sound on. Because I think everyone can agree that nobody likes the Goku no. Japanese voice actor. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. So anyway, that looks awesome. Fuck yeah. We got two more world premieres here. Two two pretty big ones. Well, one pretty big one. I've I've never heard of the Metro series, so maybe maybe I'm weird. Twenty thirty three and Metro Last Light? Really? Never heard of those. But when they showed it, I was like, Oh, this is kind of interesting. They played that overused twenty eight days later song. There were zombies, it kinda of gave me like a fallout kind of vibe as far as the setting. Yeah. There was a zombie bear um shooter yes. stuff. Wasn't he a robot bear? No, that was um that was um There were a lot of bears. State of Decay with the, with yeah, the State robot. State of Decay had a robot bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nice. then Days Gone had another zombie bear. A lot of bears. But yeah, it, it, was that gameplay, do you think? Because it didn't have like a HUD. Was that like an optional thing? I think I'm it, not even sure what's going on there. I think it was gameplay. And this is, this is what I'll tell you. So I played both Metro games briefly. Mm. Got them on a Steam sale. Met, the Metro, Metro Last Light especially, was kind of the top tier staple. Like, like along with the most recent Crisis game, which I think is now 10 years old. About eight years old, maybe. Yeah. Metro Last Light kind of staples when testing PC, you know, doing benchmarks and testing specs. Uh, oh, so it was as badly optimized as Crisis was? The thing about Crisis is that thing was such a beast of a game that, like, at the time, there was literally no hardware that could run that game. And for years, there was still no hardware that could run that game to the max. Man, no wonder they don't pay their, their employees. Yeah, no shit. Anyway, this game, in the PC world anyway, very renowned. It got like a dual pack release on, on console which nobody bought. It was in value bins at Walmart almost immediately. And how long ago was the last one? Oh, I don't know. I mean, four five, four years ago. It was a 360 generation then? Um, yeah, but it, I don't think it came out on consoles until the remake. But they, here's what they did was they completely remade the engine and they re-released both games on PC. It was the Metro 
Redux or whatever. Was it a proprietary engine? Um, I I think so. I I don't know enough. I feel like, but they completely overhauled everything. They rebuilt both games and, and the new engine, and the games mm. looked significantly worse to me immediately. And so this is how I think this was gameplay: was it looks exactly like the remakes uh, in the new engine. It, it looked, I mean, just the weird sort of slick, almost clay. I don't know how to describe it. It just it. No, I understand. I know what you're saying. You got that, that wet look. Yeah, all it, over just, the place. It, it doesn't look great. Uh, I mean, I guess it looked fine. But I, I think it looks worse than the old builds for sure. Part of the reason why it made me think of Fallout so much is that it had that kind of Xbox 360 era brown mm-hmm. palette look, mm-hmm. which a lot of games now like they they veer so far away from that. They they want the, those colors. People are they like having colors in their games. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Hella saturation. Look at Bioshock One versus Bioshock Infinite. You know, like even totally. in that span, you see that. So that kind of stuck out to me. But yeah, sci- sci-fi post-apocalyptic shooter. Yeah. There's a train. I don't know if people are going to be excited about it in the console, as far as the console space, but I know PC, like I said, those games have a, a really sort of cult following. I've heard, I heard about those games for years before I finally picked them up. Very loose uh, release window on that for 2018. Mm. Let's move the fuck on to AC Origins. We're going to lump up the UB conference with the... I just want to talk about everything we've seen about the game. Okay. Because I think they showed actually quite a bit of Assassin's Creed. They did. At Microsoft. So, uh, okay. All right. First thing I got to mention here, okay? First thing I got to mention is this motherfucker gets on stage and he says, this year we're bringing you the perfect setting for an Assassin's Creed tale or whatever, right? And I am just like, I do the Jackie Chan and the classic, what the fuck meme? Like, the perfect setting? Really? Not feudal Japan? Ninjas? Like, you want to talk perfect setting we've been asking for for a decade now? Perfect setting, my dick. Fucking Egypt of all places. To be completely fair, the or, or the actual origin of the word assassin has to do with Egypt, like so that makes sense, both real life and in lore. So, but I'm saying as far as like if you want to look at things like architecture, terrain, feudal Japan's probably the most like besides fucking Venice or whatever. It's inevitable to give it time. I well, we've been saying that for eight years. Egypt to me, I love. Listen to me, I love. Uh, uh, ancient Egyptian history. This is why I love Assassin's Creed 4 so much was because I was a huge pirate dude growing up. I loved I loved studying pirates, fucking ancient Egypt, and like medieval motherfuckers. Jousting and fucking, you know, Knights of the Round Table shit. Like, that intrigued me as a kid. So, I love that they're going to Egypt. The pyramids, like, I hope there's a fucking... Maybe they learned their lesson in Assassin's Creed 3 where they don't want to trivialize history too much, but I want a mission where, like, I'm responsible for knocking the fucking nose off the Sphinx. How fucking cool would that be? That would be awesome. Like, that'd be super cool, man. This might be the second best Prince of Persia game ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. <laughs> oh, hey, you know what? It is Ubisoft, so more power to them. Exactly. Yeah, I heard a rumor that they're actually working on a Prince of Persia game and that they're like, you know what? Let's just make this Assassin's Creed instead. <laughs> I mean, would that shock you? No. Not at all. It's probably not the first time that's happened either. No. I think it looks cool, man. It, it looks... I think there are, uh, looks like more RPG elements. They've overhauled the combat system. Yeah, loot in an Assassin's Creed game. Right? Proper loot. In- interesting. Did you see the menus? The menus were straight out of Destiny. Destiny me- yeah, the Destiny oh menus. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which, I think in theory, the Destiny menus work better than a typical, like, scroll through one line at a time. But it didn't even work in Destiny that well. It, it, it was slow and clunky and... Uh, your cursor was like moving through a stick of butter. Butter. So I think it looks cool though. It looks like maybe it's focused a little more on the RPG stuff, building your your assassin up. And I'm going to pick it up. 
it's if it gets decent reviews in the week leading up to it, I'm picking it up day one. And it's the same to, uh, the same studio that did uh, Black Flag, so that was your fave. It's got flaws, yeah, but it's the best Assassin's Creed game there is. So, from not only from a narrative standpoint, but but from a the control scheme of the ships and controlling your guy, and and graphically, it's I think the the prettiest one. So yeah, it's I'm really excited about that. This will be cool. Although what they've shown, I'm worried about. I want to get more into the nitty gritty of like ancient Egyptian lore and like the maybe the supernatural, the paranormal. Like, yeah, they had some like interesting iconography kind of those dude wearing like a jackal head. So very Anubis style. Right. I'm not sure how deep they're going to go into the fantasy. They didn't show anything from the animus. So that's good. At least I hope they get honestly, just give me a fucking period piece where I get to play as an assassin. I don't give a fuck. I know they have to explain your HUD and your powers like through the animus. Like that's sort of like the, the delivery mechanism for like your, your assassin vision and, and some of these other things. But like right. the parts we get, that was the worst part about black flag. Uh, at least in the old games, the real world elements were kind of interesting because you were following this cast of characters, mm. uh, Desmond and, and his crew. Like it was interesting enough to keep you engaged for at least the first, you know, couple games, first two, maybe three games. But by Black Flag, like it, the history was wrapped up. You you got ripped out. You had no HUD. You had to sit through these fucking cutscenes. It was just unbearable. I don't want that. Get rid of that. Just let me fucking run around Egypt, motherfucker. Yeah, we'll see what they've learned. They took a they took a year off and they're back with a vengeance. Yeah. What I'm worried about as far as like the terrain, like it's like ancient Egypt was not very dense. It's you're not gonna be running around on fucking rooftops like you are in some of the old I mean you are probably, but like it feels like it won't be as expansive. I mean, scaling a pyramid, that's gonna be fucking cool. Yeah. Riding a camel. They showed that too. Camels, yay, camels. Camels having that me. having that uh that 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 eagle that you just sort of control also i don't know there's that that's weird. a weird that's a weird game series i don't understand yeah. uh want me to run through the exclusives and see if anything struck a, a note with you at uh, all um i don't think we need to do a whole run through of them all but i want you to if anything sticks out to you just give it to me what are you excited for anything catch your eye yeah i mean not necessarily for me but uh player unknowns battlegrounds that's been like blowing up steam for the past like month like that that game has three million players and it is a open beta basically it's the early yeah. access and xbox they they have the exclusive rights for that game that's the game's not going to come out on ps4 that's really cool good for them i, I have no interest in playing it it's battle royale one versus 100 try yeah, to survive right. while the circle gets smaller you know we get the drill yeah deep rock galactic that was minecraft with dwarves it's weird state of decay 2 uh that was another zombie game this should be should have been called State of Decay PS2 because this also looks like shit. Yeah, it was a little bit rough. But it had a ro- robot bear, so... Yeah, that was, that's a survival zombie game, a little bit closer to Left 4 Dead, but it's very focused on resource management and multiplayer, so it kind of has a different play loop to it. Um, Darwin Project, I that was really weird to announce. That's like the really cartoony looking game, but that was literally another... Battleground style game where it's a battle royale. Is it, that so, was the one with Terry Crews in the intro? No. Okay. That's no. Crackdown. Crackdown. Okay. Okay. Um, they got they showed Black Desert, which is a Korean MMORPG. Uh, they showed The Last Night, which is a pixel art platformer cyberpunk style game. Looks very pretty. Yeah. Um, I'll be interested to see what the gameplay of that looks like because they just showed like a lot of weird kind of moving around cutscenes kind of stuff. Which is the one with the the little man with the guitar? That was the Artful Escape. That looks kind of cool. 
that looks like a weird adventure game. That was very bizarre, very paper cutout kind of style. Uh, then they showed Sea of Thieves for way too long with no release date. That's been in like an open beta for a long time. It's just a multiplayer pirate game. Yep. It'll have a, a small niche audience, but that's not like a game for the masses. So there's a running theme here, and this is what I thought when I was watching the conference. And I started skipping ahead because I didn't watch the conference live. I started skipping ahead because everything they showed, they all feel like these cheapy run-of-the-mill MMO sort of influence games and trying to translate it into a console experience. That's the vibe I got when watching it, and I, I just started skipping through because I was like, this all looks like, you know, ooh, exclusive. Like, n- this, there's nothing meaningful here for me. So, I, I don't know. I mean, do you get what I'm saying, though? Like, this cheapy... Yeah, I guess that's fair. I, I wouldn't say cheap. I mean, a lot of indie games, sure, but I wouldn't say that they're cheaply made, necessarily. Moving on uh, to Tacoma, that's uh, a follow-up from a studio that I can't remember the last game, but some people I listen to are fairly excited about that. That has a release date, though. It's coming out in August. Uh, Super Lucky's Tale, which is a follow-up to a VR exclusive on the Oculus Rift. Oh, exciting. That's very... Uh, it's a 3D platformer, collectathon style, beautiful music. I thought it had a very charming kind of vibe to it. Something that Xbox probably doesn't have. I mean, PS4 doesn't have. Unless you count like ukulele, but that's cross-platform. But as far as like an exclusive, that's I think that's fairly interesting. It's coming out in November. Cuphead, which was has been shown for a few years now, that kind of old-timey animation, old, like early Mickey Mouse cartoons kind of style. This honestly excites me. It used to be a boss rush, but then people were complaining that that wasn't enough, and so they added a platforming element, which I'm not sure how much of that will actually end up being in the final game. But that's coming out in September, so got a couple months to wait for that. I'll pick it up for sure. Yeah, very beautiful. Very cool style. Um, Crackdown 3. Never played any of the, the first two Crackdowns. People apparently have attachment to that, so that's, you know, great. Terry Crews will sell me on anything, man. Terry Crews is awesome. I love Terry. <laughs> like, Terry Crews could sell me on sucking a dick. Like, I, like I'm just saying. Like That's not a hard sell. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Um, then they showed... Uh, Crackdown 3 is coming out in November. Um, they showed a game called Ashen, which seems like... I heard a little bit more after the conference, but from what they showed, it was very Dark Souls cooperative kind of gameplay. Very creepy. Uh, the characters look like they're made out of clay. There's no eyes. It's very dark and ominous. I had a really cool look to it, I think. Um, then they showed Ori and the Will of the Wisps, which you owned the first game. You've played maybe an hour of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, because you, you are very bad at uh, continually playing a game yeah very pretty game though very pretty very interesting mechanics as far as like this energy you're collecting to like power up some of these weird moves you have like i mean other than that i mean it's kind of a typical you know metroidvania inspired you know i think it's cool it's like it did well enough that's getting a a sequel like that's that's cool i mean is that technically an indie game at this point or does okay i didn't know if like fucking xbox owns it now or like microsoft is publishing it right but and they have exclusive rights, but they're not funding and developing it with one of their. I say, like, I'm I'm very liberal when it comes to my viewpoints on indie development. That EA A Way Out game, I, that's an that's an indie game, but it's being published by EA. Right. Like, I think that's still uh, that's still in my mind. I classify that as an indie game. Well, no, totally. It's like No Man's Sky. Like No Man's Sky had full weight of Sony behind it, but they did not have. A triple A budget or triple A resources to make that game happen. They had twelve guys. They had that money not for development, but they had that money for marketing. Yeah, which I think it. You can get really sticky with whether or not something's indie, but I mean, in my mind, that that's an indie game. 
Sure. Totally. Okay. Uh, other stuff they showed was they talked about some Minecraft stuff and really weird. They're talking about like cross-platform play with a PC and with Nintendo. That's awesome. So we saw a Nintendo Switch in the Microsoft e- like press conference. Dude, Nintendo is fucking everywhere, dude. Everywhere. Really bizarre. But yeah, then they were talking about um, it's it's a server thing. I'm not, I don't play Minecraft, so I don't want to botch it. But some people, I'm sure, were excited. Uh, and they showed Code Vein, which is a new Bandai Namco game. It's anime Dark Souls, vampires and stuff. Then they showed for quite a bit Shadow of War, which is the follow up to Shadow of Mordor. Looks exactly like what we should have expected, which I think that's fine. Yeah, not a huge leap graphically. It doesn't need a huge leap. I don't think games really need graphical updates for for sequels anymore it is like say what you want about asset flipping but as long as it's it's new content new gameplay new story whatever if it's a sequel it's fine i'm fine with that i think that part of the problem though with what the original game was you know i think they did great not hyping that game up the original shadow mordor like that game just kind of coming out to rave reviews like that really worked for them Mm -hmm. that game really was a one-trick pony i enjoyed it it was nine hours. I blew through the campaign. I really enjoyed it. Nine, 12 hours, whatever. But there wasn't a lot to do. It was very samey. By the end of the game, it was like, all right, I've seen all of this. I've done all this until the final boss encounter anyway, which was fine. This game looks like more of the same. And I think now that there are expectations surrounding it, that could bode ill. I think it seems like they added a lot to this game. Really? And that has also similar consequences of what people are expecting from it. Yeah. Because there's a whole like, mechanic where you're setting up your armies and they have different weaknesses and strengths and you you see your opponent's army and they have weaknesses and strengths too it's like this they took shadow of mordor and then they added like a real-time strategy or turn-based strategy skin to it it's very bizarre yeah i wonder how much uh that's actually going to translate into good gameplay though i hope it's going to be okay it's another game that i want to pick up because for some reason like that's i i must have bought it on a sale or something but i played through it and 15 i want to say spring 15 mm-hmm. and that came, out, right. that came out fall 14 yeah so i played it by in spring and, and had an enjoyable time with it for some reason i played it on pc actually with the xbox one controller for some reason that game of any game i've ever played on my pc that game pushed it to the limits maxed out so you know of course mm-hmm. maxed it out yeah i mean my computer would go from like 27 celsius to like 43 44 only on that game. It would never peak past like 35 in any other game. Literally any other game. And this game, it would, yeah, it would go to 43, 44 and just fucking cook. It's a beautiful game. I think that's why I have no problem with them. Like like you said, asset flipping. Like It's still one of the better looking games of this generation, I think. It's interesting. I didn't think it looked very great. But compared to Shadow of Mordor, it didn't look that much better. Which is bizarre, though, because Shadow of Mordor came out on PS3 and Xbox 360 also. Yeah. It was part of that, that time frame where everything was cross-platform so it's i feel like they could have put more work into making it look better but at the same time if the content is there i can't knock it too much for it not looking gorgeous i mean i guess uh, like i said i played on pc and thought it just looked phenomenal it was beautiful so uh and then yeah we talked about anthem uh they showed a big sizzle reel of all the id at xbox which is the independent developers that they work with to try and get their games on didn't say anything about exclusivity so i'm assuming they were just like Check out all these games because they're really pushing that message of there's a large variety of games on the platform. This is a big fucking list of of things that I did not see. I put an asterisk on ones that I thought looked pretty cool. So uh, Battle Right is like a 
kind of MOBA style action fighting brawling game. That's what we need more of. I mean, what other ones are there? More just weird multiplayer games that feel like, you know, they'll have a couple hundred thousand players. It won't ever make its mark in the world. It'll just kind of come and go. And it's just like, there were like 14 games like that on this list. Like you said, MOBA inspired multiplayer, like. Um, yeah, Battle Riot I thought was interesting. Brawl Out is literally Smash Brothers. Um, River Bond looked really cute. It's like this voxel kind of glowing uh, adventure game. Kind of remind me of something like a, a Zelda game would look like on a 2D platform. Got a good vibe from that. And then Ooblets, I have no idea what it is, but I've heard people compare it to Animal Crossing meets Pokemon. So immediately that catches my attention. Ooblets, dude, the names on this fucking list Minion Masters, Dunk Lords. Like, <laughs> this is the fucking, this is the B team, bro. Minion Masters, Forced to Duel. Yeah, that's a good name. <laughs> Hello, neighbor. Robocraft Infinite. Like, this is the fucking Hello, neighbor looked interesting. Kind of. It was like a, it looked like an adventure game. Showed a, a scene where you throw a rock into someone's house and then you hide yourself in your own house and barricade the door, but they burst in. Oh, <laughs> it's really weird. Very cute. Yeah. And then, or, only thing else Microsoft was talking about was the backwards compatibility with the, the OG. Showed off some Crimson Skies. Uh, that's, I mean, that's cool, but it says a lot about your company and your console that you're selling like, Hey, you still have these old games lying around. You can play them on the, it's like, no, dude, no, I've got one Xbox game. One. I think it's just a, it's a nice gesture and it shows that they like their fans. I don't know. Like they don't have to do that. They're not making sales off of that. They're just doing it to be like, yeah, we, our fans want to play Crimson Skies. So we're letting them So fucking sell it again. It's also nice in a game preservation front because there's no good Xbox emulator. So unless you have an Xbox, there's literally no way to play an Xbox game. I guess that's fair. I mean, I guess that's cool. I wonder how big this list will be. Like the Xbox 360 backwards compatibility is awesome. Huge fucking list. Almost 400 games. I mean, it's anything worth playing pretty much as you can play on Xbox One. Yeah, Xbox doesn't have like a great library or anything like that, but it'll, it'll be nice to be able to play hundred odd games off of the original disc or whatever yeah i mean i own like maybe 20 maybe 14 even like 14 15 360 games and a lot of them are back as compatible you know like i like i went on and played uh like lego star wars and like all games you can play elsewhere but like i have the disc for them and mm. i can just pop it in and play it things like even like south park stick of truth like that's cool i can just pop it in my xbox that's backwards compatible that's awesome i gotta give microsoft props here they could have really just beat the fucking 4k 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 you know beat that horse you know dead as a doornail but instead they said we have this console check it out and then just showed us games for an hour like that's cool even though i think the games are a bunch of crap nobody will really care about on a on a wide scale like step in the right direction just focus on games tell us how many great things are coming and move on like that's cool yeah in the grand scheme of things i think microsoft had a perfectly perfectly good e3 press conference i don't think there were any bad e3 press conferences to be honest i think bethesda is the closest to bad you could get and i don't want to spend too long on bethesda here because it's literally all just a bunch of re-releases and two games what we don't will we will never play potentially yeah three versions of skyrim (laughs) well they only showed two versions of skyrim uh for bethesda though they had a really good conference in that it was 40 minutes and the pacing was awesome. And watching it, I was never like, oh, this is dragging on forever. This is really boring. Like they showed me stuff like I don't pay attention to Elder Scrolls Online. So when they showed me, oh, Morrowind, like, OK, good for them. Or like the Creation Club, I was like, 
all right, paid mods. But it didn't, they didn't go on and on and on and on and on about it. Yeah. It wasn't 90 minutes. It was a 40-minute presser. The VR titles, I think, are are kind of cool. I think Doom VR is honestly going to be the only one like worth checking out. Well, yeah, especially since Fallout is going to be a full 60 like that's going to be a sixty dollar game. That's and they've already confirmed that there's no like save crossover stuff, so you can't like pick up your game and play it bad. in VR. Like, so, you know, last pod I was talking about how I'd like to get my hands on a Skyrim VR just to experience that world in a different way. But the more I look at a gameplay and kind of the graphics of that game, like it was dated in twenty eleven. You know, six years later, it's like egad. Like getting that up close and personal, like it probably would look like shit. I think Fallout was going to look like shit in VR. I think Doom, had, like I said, the only potential to really be not just a nifty niche experience, but like a, a new, I don't want to say innovative, that's a stretch, but just an exciting way to experience that game. It's very stylized, the graphics, it's the best looking Bethesda game. Yeah, it's. I think the, the, the speed and the, I don't know, like the impact of the gameplay lends itself to a very interesting experience with VR and the scale of like the demons that you're fighting against is going to be a... That's more compelling than anything in uh, Fallout. More so in Skyrim. It would be cool to like be like, oh shit, that's a dragon. But like you were saying, the the resolutions, like the the textures are not going to look very good when it's actually like up close and personal. So I have yet to try any any VR headset, so I can't speak with experience, but that's just from my layman's kind of outside looking in perspective. That's how I feel about it. You played Doom, right? Yes. That's a game I wouldn't mind trying, but eh, I don't like scary you things. You would really like it. It is. It is. It's not scary. It's well, just... There's demons, but startling. They're, not like, they're not startling either. It's just action. Did Halo scare you? Well, no, because I only beat Halo, the story in Halo 1, and that was cheesy as fuck. It's as scary as Halo. It's it's just, it's startling, man. <laughs> they're like demons ripping heads off and gory guts, and I don't like that. Whatever. It's really fast. It's action. Like, that is a game that the gunplay and the movement is so good feeling. I want every game to play like that, but literally you can't, so... It's very it's fast-paced from what I've seen. Very, very quick. Interesting to see that with Doom, they went with that point-and-click travel method where for everything they've heard beforehand was that they actually had walking around a movement actually okay and nailed down that people weren't getting sick, kind of like Resident Evil yeah. ended up doing. But seems like they took the, the tried-and-true method out. I've read things about VR and how like the key to keeping people from getting motion sick is X, Y, or Z. There's all these different things. Like mm-hmm. one way is like putting a virtual nose in your headset because it's, you know, you're always looking at your nose, but your brain ignores it. Right. Which is kind of fucked up to think about. You start thinking about it and all you see is your nose. Like it's putting a virtual nose in to help like ground you. And it, it feels more real. Like things like frame rate, like still the frame rate is not where it needs to be. I, I think for VR to really be successful. Yeah. I think some of the better VR headsets are actually at 144. Yeah. Which is closer to where you need to be to truly be immersed. Mm-hmm. Um, VR, we don't need to get on that again. But, but going through the list here, like, Elder Scrolls Online, like you said, okay, that's old news. People play it. I mean, they yeah. obviously, if there are enough people playing Elder Scrolls Online, they're not going to see an Elder Scrolls 6 for another five years. Which is so fucked up, just to protect that property. Like, ugh, it frustrates me, man, because it, the game was disappointing on all fronts. It didn't feel like an MMO, and it didn't feel like an uh, Elder Scrolls game. But now, you know, people are jumping on the Morrowind thing because they're, they're seeing, like, completely remade version of this beloved classic and it's like man get us a real fucking rpg no the remake skyrim another time you Um, know i wouldn't be shocked switch i think is i think we're one year away from skyrim on ipad i don't know man i don't think the ipad like is anywhere close to the switch in terms of power 
it's not but skyrim they're using a, a better version of skyrim than the original version on, on switch it looks like some sort of variation of the vr version on ps4 and the remastered version that came out last october or november so that's the thing about the switch and we don't need to get crazy about this either but the switch is a very powerful console but there are just inherent limitations to not having the cooling you need so you can't have the processing power you need to like like look at even games like mario kart there's like no anti-aliasing if you look up close dude it's just all jaggies i don't think skyrim benefits from anti-aliasing that much (laughs) it's an old ass game you know looking at what i've seen from that game it's like it I think it looks worse than the original version, even though I'm sure some things are better. Maybe it's better textures. Maybe it's better, you know, I don't know, this or that. But, like, there's no anti-aliasing, and draw distance is going to be probably the worst in any version. Well, I'm I'm leaning more towards that Skyrim's going to be on out, out on everything before we see a new game in the Elder Scrolls franchise. Well, you know, they only just started getting things like Knights of the Old Republic and, like, games like that. Only in the last couple of years, they start porting to, to tablets. I think we're away, like, Skyrim looks dated, but dude, that's that'd be a crazy thing. It'll be a couple years before it's on a fucking TI-86, okay? Couple years. But anyway. Do it, though. Dude, highlight of the Bethesda conference. No brainer. Quake champions. <laughs> oh god. No, tell me. <laughs> no, you're tell right. me. What's the, the fucking highlight? 2 DLC. <laughs> oh, who fucking cares? Uh people who played Dishonored 2, I'd imagine. Um Yeah, all seven of them. I was very impressed by both Evil Within 2 and Wolfenstein 2. I thought both of those looked they showed really well. They look like games. Evil Within 2, very spooky, a lot of milk, very Death Stranding, Stranding Z. Which is such a weird comparison to make, considering we've seen nothing from that game. It's like, isn't that, it's just like so Kojima. He's like, well, Evil Within is also really Japan, so Kojima's very Japan. Yeah. This is, it, it sticks out for Bethesda with very Western grounded, like, style. Like I said, though, I think the highlight of the conference for a couple of Nintendo nerds was obviously seeing that jaggy fucking. 2011 ass knight on the horse jumping off with a fucking green tunic and a yellow hat. You know, like that's fucking cool. What are you talking about? He was wearing the the Breath of the Wild blue tunic. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was. Oh my God, really? Yeah, he's wearing the blue tunic. He's holding the Master Sword. Hold on, let me look this up now. What conference were you watching? I don't know, man. <laughs> Apparently I was fucking... You're watching the weird Chinese bootleg version, huh? I'm going to look this up now. Painted it wrong. I'm literally looking at a picture of a dude in a green tunic. Okay, here's here's one in a blue tunic. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the one. Again, I wasn't watching. Uh, I was not watching the <laughs> conference live. I watched zero conferences live. But the picture I saw was yeah, right here, the fucking yellow and green. Anyway, whatever. This is what I get for not keeping up with things right away. Uh, but that's I mean that's fucking that's awesome. I did a little video that I saw with the the chest opening up and amiibo at a. Bethesda press conference. Super bizarre. Dude, Nintendo was fucking everywhere. They showed up at Microsoft. They showed up at fucking Bethesda. They showed up at Ubisoft, man. And then they came in and just had a real solid conference. Pissed nobody off. Like, that was, like, good on them. Anyway. That pretty much wraps it up for Bethesda, though. Yeah, it was it was fine. Like we said, it was fine. Yeah, I, w- I watched all of them. I didn't watch all of them live. I watched th- three or four of them live. I watched... Bethesda's, Sony's, Nintendo's, EA's live. I didn't watch EA's live. I lied. But I, I watched all of them. Uh, next day it was uh, Ubisoft. And they just start off right off the bat. They just opened with rabbits jumping into a coin block. And then Miyamoto popping on stage with a gun. 
He was so happy. He was so happy. Eves and uh, Miyamoto were just hanging out with guns back to back. <laughs> How weird so, is that? So much GIF potential from both of those. So I've never played an XCOM game, but everyone's saying this is just like Kitty XCOM. Yeah, and XCOM is very much a game that you'd be interested in because it's very, it's the gameplay of Final Fantasy. Or not Final Fantasy, but uh, Fire, Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem, I don't yeah. know why I said that. Yeah, Fire Emblem. But it, it looked, yeah, I looked at this and I was like, okay, this is just a turn-based strategy game with fucking Mario in a gun. Like, it's so, like, if you would have told me that, like, hey, here's a game where you can shoot things with Mario. Like, I am already sold. That's fucking weird as fuck. And, like, the That's weird tight. art style where it almost looked like clay. Like, they almost looked like, like, um, you were reminded me of is, like, back in the day, remember our moms had this, like, weird polymer clay that you'd bake in the oven? Mm-hmm. I remember you made a Yoshi one time. It was just, it blew me away as a kid. It was this cool little Yoshi that you made. I wish I still had that. That thing was so tight. It was so fucking cool. It was so, like, that's what this game looks like to me. Yeah, it very, it, it works. I mean, that's an art style that lends itself well to uh, the the capabilities of, of the Switch, where you're not going to get super crazy textures rendered or what have you, but right. the models can exist and they look beautiful. Yeah, I'm all on board and for this game. I heard, like, Apparently the the guy who worked on it they should they had a little quick shot of him like he's crying because he made a, a Nintendo game basically he made a Mario <laughs> game and he's working for Ubisoft he's working making rabid games for six years and now he's mod- he modeled Mario you know like that's a really cool achievement for him <laughs> what he's saying is I've been working on rabbits for six years save me like this this was a release from his prison ten years oh my uh, god the first game came out in like 2007 but. How how would that yeah. be to be a developer for ten years and all you have your name is fucking Rayman spinoffs? That's terrible. <laughs> they sold well enough to have like five games. That's terrible. And they yeah. have like a cartoon in France now. So I mean, I can't knock them for that. And the rabbits, I don't. I don't think the rabbits add anything to the gameplay of this game, but it's so bizarre that it does add in a way. Like it's just Mario is all about bizarre stuff. You can't look at a Mario game and be like, that's normal. I mean, sure, we've been conditioned to it because we've been playing those games for 30 years. But being Mario and picking up a flower and throwing fireballs, it's weird. that's not normal. No, I think the you're rabbits fit turtles, in. You're stomping on turtles. You're killing weird Goombas. Yeah. This we're, the bizarre games. I think the rabbits fit in flawlessly. That DK rabbit. It's it's so adorable. And it's just it's, like goofy is the only word I, I, I was thinking when I was watching this. But in three years, no one will know that the rabbits were anything but Mario characters. I promise you. Because they're going to make their way into Nint- another Nintendo property because that's just how these sort of things work. No one mm-hmm. will know that. that the Rabbids were not originally Mario characters. I promise you my eight-year-old brother probably thinks that now. And he's never played a Rabbids game. But if I just showed him that, like he would just... So, good on Ubisoft. This is the fucking... This is the hookup for them. Yeah, looked really tight. It was a great start off to their conference. I'm really glad that it's a different genre. That they're going out on a limb here. Trying something new. Yeah, apparently that was like Nintendo's one stipulation. Like, don't make a Mario game. Make a game that has Mario in it. And that's fantastic. That's what spinoffs should be, yeah, I think. Absolutely. I'm I'm way on board for this, man. I'm excited. This is a day one buy for me. Yeah, I'll pick it up, definitely. That's coming out in August. So we got two months till that oh, comes wow. out. Oh, wow. That's so soon. Hell yeah. Yeah, like Hell August 20-something. Yeah. It's Yeah, it's quick. It's awesome. Um, then they showed more. they showed more Assassin's Creed. Obviously, okay, we've talked about. Then they that, showed yeah. the the crew too, which oh, is yay motorsports. Like I don't know, so you can race in a boat or a car or a plane. It didn't didn't tickle me at all. Then they showed South Park, the fractured but whole. 
coming in October. I was hoping, I was hoping for a, a Nintendo logo at the bottom of that trailer at the end. Oh. You know, I said, I said Reggie was coming out to talk about uh, Fracture But Hole coming to the Switch, but instead we got Miyamoto with a gun. So, yeah, that's I'm I think that's, that. that's a bigger win. Yeah, I'm way way happier with that. <laughs> um, yeah, but that that remains to look really good and. The first game I, I liked a whole lot, so I'm I'm fairly interested in playing that one. I'm worried about it. Like the more I've seen, you know, and delays shouldn't worry you. They don't worry me. They shouldn't worry me. They, but like, just what I've seen in the revamp of the the combat, and and then you know, I just I don't know. I, I we'll see what happens. But if it can be as good as the first game, then it's all good. It's, it's all not like good. the best part of the first game was the combat. The best part of that game was. Being in South Park and basically playing a season of South Park. That is true. But the combat was really nice. I was like classic Paper Mario with the little action commands like that. Like it's it's just I guess you kind of had like the most broken class you could possibly have. But yeah, I don't know what what I did that made it so easy. But it ended up being that I just had like three things that I would do and I could just defeat anyone. So the combat was very trivialized for me. Okay. See, it wasn't hard, but it was just enough that it was like. I could relax, play the game, get a laugh, kind of just enjoy what was happening. Oh yeah, I, w- I was still engaged, and like the the combat is not like the actual actions you're doing doesn't really add too much to it. It's mostly just the interactions of the characters that was entertaining. Yeah, so it'll still be South Park, and Matt and Trey still made the game, so it'll be still good. So that got pushed back to October, but that's not that long of a wait. Like looking at the list of games that are coming out, I'm like. Not like, oh man, I'll be bored for a month. Like, there's so much stuff coming out, and I can't even play my back catalog, so I can't. I, I will never have any room to complain. No. Uh, then Ubisoft very much went into Ubisoft mode, like classic Ubisoft, with the next few games. But they showed off this really weird thing with Elijah Wood. It's like this playable horror simulation. I have no idea what that game is, but it's a VR game called Transference. Why? Do you see that? Did you watch that? No, I didn't see anything about it. Okay, they didn't show anything about it. They just showed that Elijah Wood was in a conference room talking about, yeah, we really want to get into this VR thing, but it's like sounded like he's talking about making a VR game. But right. then the later it gets into the, the trailer, it sounds more like him talking is part of the VR game and that you're experiencing other people's memories. And it's kind of it really bizarre. I don't know. Why? I mean, E3 press conference, the hype machine. Why? Yeah, that was not hype. <laughs> why is this the kind of shit we're wasting our time with? I don't get it, man. Yeah, but that was it's called yeah called transference. Supposedly that's coming out spring next year. Then they showed Skull and Bones, which is a PvP VE kind of pirate game. Five like teams of five trying to loot and pillage right. ships, and then other pirates come in. They want to pillage the loot also, but they're also trying to destroy you and so this is combat this is just built on the black flag mechanics i would imagine it's inspired by that but i don't know how much of that uh carries over like one-to-one gameplay wise okay i didn't play black flag so i I would rely on you to tell me if it was very accurate did you watch the the skull and bones yeah i saw it but you saw it but did you actually like watch it because it was like 20 minutes of it oh no i did not watch 20 minutes I didn't watch 20 minutes of anything at E3. It was like 10 minutes. It wasn't that long. But yeah, that's supposed to come out fall of next year. I have no idea if I'm interested in that at all. It's very, very focused on that like PVP kind of stuff. Right? It's like For Honor with boats. Right. It's very bizarre. They had a short, very short 
thing for Just Dance uh, 2018, which surprisingly is coming out on the Wii still. Ooh, um, there's a market for that. That's well, yeah. Then they uh, showed South Park Phone Destroyer. Nobody had heard of like that's completely out of the blue. Yeah, a phone game for South Park. Yay, mobile. Funny. I mean, D- deeper down the mobile hole. South Park. Why not? Something that stuck out to me and was interesting to me was uh, Starlink. Mm, this will be expensive. Yeah. I mean, not <laughs> necessarily because they first thing they said after showing it was like, yeah, you can earn those items in game. They, they digitally, you don't have to actually like sure buy them. Sure. I'm sure there will be like a monetization for it, but the, I don't know. I'm not impatient enough to be like, I have to buy this. I don't have that weird broken part in me that I have oh, to spend wow. money on stuff. You throwing some shade at your boy over here. Apparently, I'm not. It wasn't aimed at you, but if the shoe fits, <laughs> then that's your fault. But that's true. I don't know. I thought the the stuff that they were attaching to the controller. Oh, okay, I should probably just explain this. Starlink. It looks like you're piloting a ship, and it's like ship combat, spaceship combat, and shows going from like a a base in space, and then flying to a planet, and then flying around like kind of Star Fox style, not on rails, but like flying around shooting enemies like elements are stronger against other elements and then you they had this weird uh thing mounted on a controller where you'd be putting on like toys of lifestyle like skylander style putting on different parts to your ship to give it different abilities so they're fighting uh, an enemy that was ice type and they're like oh we should put a fire type attack booster fire fire, uh (laughs) on our ship and then they did that and it was like very much more effective. Who knew? Fire is better than ice. I've played an RPG. Um, Shocking. Then they had like some guy come out. I was like, yeah, you know, we, I'm a fan of, I'm a, I'm a kid of the 80s. So I'm a fan of like fantasy and sci-fi and toys. And at least for me, uh, this I feel like is cooler as far as a toys to life kind of angle goes because they look like actual toys and not like very bad statues. Right. Which is what the Skylanders were like. It's just a it's just a little statue, which, you know, for for you, I mean, you're an amiibo fanatic. So if it's like a character that you like, that's cool. But if it's just a toy, that's almost cooler. Like I could see myself playing with a all purpose kind of starship toy than I would like a a bad statue of Pocahontas or whatever. What's the thing like the amiibo is like my eight year old brother has tons of amiibo and Disney Infinity and he had some Skylanders. They just sit on the shelf until he has to use them, and then the times he does want to play with them, like he like he just demolished this Bowser, because you mm-hmm. want to play with them, you want to do things, but they don't, you know, there are no points of articula- articulation. There's no, you know, they just they just get destroyed, and like you said, they're cheap. Yeah, for like a character, you want to be able to pose it, but for like a spaceship, you don't have to pose a spaceship. Right, you can actually do things with it. So without having flying to- it around like that, that I think that's kind of interesting and cool in yeah, a way. Sure, and the gameplay looked all right. And it's coming to Switch, and it was like a multi-platform thing. Switch. The coolest thing, the coolest thing that stuck out to me, is that it's being made in their Snowdrop engine, which is their engine that they use for all their things. And it's coming to Switch. So I'm wondering, are they? Is that like them saying, "Yeah, we're working on Snowdrop to work on Nintendo's platform"? Because if so, that is really cool because that says that Ubisoft is going to be capable of putting out. Up their other titles onto the switch yeah that, that that could potentially open up some serious doors i hope so because like we're seeing with fifa with ea is that 
their Frostbite engine, they haven't ported that to Switch yet, so it's using a an old version of the game with like newer like ba- like the balancing is going to be the same as uh, FIFA on the other platforms, but it's going to be a different engine. So that means that it's not going to have the single player mode or what have you. Right. Well, hey, I just realized what time it is here. Let's blow through Sony so we can spend some time with Nintendo here. Let's see what happens. Like, I have about half an hour before I have to get out of here. You didn't want to talk about Far Cry 5 at all? Like we touch on it in another pod. I think it looked, I think it looks good. It looks like what I expected, like what we said last pod. I don't think they showed anything new that really moved the needle for me. It was just like, all right, this is exactly what we expected. Yeah, that's pretty much how I felt. I mean, yeah, I didn't get anything new from that. Um, Steep. Got a DLC Beyond Good and Evil. Yeah. That's oh, like yeah. the big thing that people were freaking out about. That broke the for internet. me though. Yeah, people. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the people you followed. A lot of the people that I followed uh, were just like, "Yeah, that was cool," but they showed a trailer for this game, the same game in 2008, and we saw nothing come from that. So this is a this is a sequel from a game that came out like 2004, 2003, yeah. and you know, showing a trailer and then saying, "Sign up to be our beta testers." Is not necessarily a good sign. It, it, the game got scrapped. It's not like it's been developed for 10 years. It got scrapped and they're bringing it back. And this was just, they wanted to hype it up, say it's coming in the next year or two. Like, and the fact that they're. They did, they did not say that. They didn't say anything? They did not. They literally said, we're making the game. Oh. They well. showed, they, we, we spent all this money to make this gorgeous trailer. That tra- trailer looked awesome. Yeah. They had the angry cuss monkey. Everyone was very. Haha, we're we're so mischievous, and all to say we're making a game and not literally no gameplay. I mean, the people I follow, like everyone, was freaking out about it because they everyone thought the game was dead, and now to see it revived, like I, I never played it. You told me about it. It's really well regarded. It's very people compare it to uh, Zelda games, mm. uh, but I don't know. I haven't played it. Yeah. All right. Well, Sony. A lot of stuff here. People, like, like I said earlier, the rhetoric surrounding Sony's conference was very negative. I feel like, except I'd say for it's probably the it was probably the weakest conference out of the the six. Well, here's the thing: it's all about expectations, right? People think like E3. People go and expecting these earth shattering revelations. Just personally, though, you know from the pod we did last time that I didn't have high expectations for this this conference either right and i wouldn't say that they didn't meet my expectations but i would still say that it's the least exciting out of the six that we saw they did a really good job they revealed a few things they showed the things that are coming they showed us more about the things that we should be caring about you know spider-man god of war whatever um mvc like and then there were a couple of really nice reveals that i think went over really well and as far as actually just games go i'm more excited about just three things on this list than I am anything else outside of Nintendo. All right. So yeah, Sony, they showed Uncharted 4 DLC. Um, they showed Horizon Zero Dawn DLC. Okay. All right. Then they jumped into showing Days Gone again. They showed a different part than they showed last year. Uh, still no release date on that game. That's not great. <laughs> not great. Uh, especially for a zombie game that nobody really has like any expectations out of or no. excitement for really. It's just going to get it lost in the shuffle of every other game. That's just like it. Yeah, probably they showed monster hunter world, which I think might be their most interesting thing that they showed. Fuck Yeah. Not so exclusive to be fair. It's yeah. going to be coming to PC and Xbox one, which yeah. is really amazing. That's There's fine. never been a monster hunter game on a PC. Yeah. Uh, that's coming out early 2018. The kind of keynotes I have for it is that it looks like a newer game. It doesn't look like it was made on the same 
PS2 graphics that every other Monster Hunter game has been made on. You know, I think this is the best looking Monster Hunter game. I still don't feel, I still didn't think it looked new. It still felt like a, like a PS3 game, which is a huge upgrade for this franchise. <laughs> I still think it looked old. Yeah, no, it, it didn't look fantastic. But I think part of that is something that makes new games look new has to do with like the animation. Yeah. And for a game like Monster Hunter, that's so heavily tied to the animations and how long moves are, take. It's very much like a fighting game where moves have startup and cooldown. And that's how the combat works. It's very intensive. That's why Dark Souls games will never look as nice as other games because of the animation. But that's like strictly a like gameplay element. So I can see where you're coming from, though. I guess there are Nintendo fans who are, who are going to want to play the, the new Monster Hunter game that we're getting on the Switch. But like after seeing this... Very bothersome that... Capcom is like there's no reason that game couldn't be on the Switch. I don't think it's it's not that graphically intensive like you were saying. Yeah, pain the ass to develop for rumors floating about that, which I don't even believe them. But the fact that there are rumors that Sony basically said we want a a Monster Hunter game that's not on a Nintendo platform for a nice change. That hasn't been a Monster Hunter on on a Sony platform since PSP. At the same time, it's coming out to Xbox. And there's literally maybe 10 people in Japan that own an Xbox. So well, that's the thing is there's, there's no competition on PC or Xbox for Sony. It's This is essentially a Sony exclusive. They're going to sell millions of copies of this game. And if it was on a Nintendo console, nobody's buying it on PlayStation. Nobody will buy it on PlayStation if it came to the Switch. It's just interesting because Double Cross is coming to Switch in Japan. Uh, there's been no... Capcom's basically said they're not localizing it. So unless... Nintendo pays to get it localized. It's not going to come to the U.S. or the West at all. Ugh. It's just really bizarre. Fucking Monster lame. Hunter never has really like taken off in the in like America or even like Europe. But I feel like there is there's room for it. Like there's obviously a gameplay loop that people in Japan love. Yeah. So like that 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 made PSP successful. So well, we we'll get worlds now, and it'll it'll uh, feel more like a modern game. I think it looked really mm-hmm. cool, man. That fucking wacky T-Rex they showed with the head fin. Like, that was wild, man. I liked it. No, oh, yeah. It showed really well. They showed Shadow of Colossus with like a true remake. Not a remaster, but like from the ground up. This looked fucking amazing graphically. It looked, it looked pretty cool. Yeah, it looked, it looked good. The hair on those fucking monsters, man. Like, it looked really nice. And hearing that we get an optional con- control scheme, which we didn't even get in Last Guardian, like, which the only people who actually liked The Last Guardian were people who made themselves like The Last Guardian because they've been hearing about it for 12 fucking years. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I think people getting mad about a control scheme, I, th- I don't think that's a, a, a reasonable thing to be mad about. That's like paramount in a video game. And at one point in time, really the only thing you had about a video game was what how it controlled. Like, like imagine Mario without that control scheme. Like it wouldn't be Mario. Like, I don't know. I just feel like that it's underrated. And when you have good controls, no one wants to mention it. But when they're bad, it can ruin everything. So Last Guardian, like, I think that's why they're doing this is like, we have to kind of salvage because uh, it didn't sell terribly well. It didn't review terribly well. The people that I know who played it, only one person actually was like, yeah, I liked it. But I have a feeling that like with most things was kind of have to force yourself because of hype. But all the people I listened to were like. It's what we expected 10 years ago, but it's 2016. Or did it come out in 17? It came out in 16. Came out last year, yeah. Yeah, okay. 
So I don't know. I didn't play it, so I guess I can't say anything. This looks really awesome. This is like Shadow Clash is like an all-time classic. People are always talking it's just about. It's weird that they're remaking it instead of making a new game. You've got to get mileage out of those assets. That's what it is. I think that they saw that the last yeah. Guardian failed critically and failed of from a sales standpoint. They're just trying to get their yeah. mileage out of. I doubt it's using any of the same assets as as Last Guardian did. That character didn't look anything like the main character in Last Guardian. They're not very comparable games. It's it's repurposing textures and you know the engine it's built in and and the they could repurpose those textures into a new game. And this game's not being made with was that Ueda? I don't know. I think the ultimate comparison for me is like it took it took Nintendo six months to remake Wind Waker on a new engine with all new assets. They didn't even reuse assets. They were all new assets. Uh, it took them literally six months to make that game. Having the blueprint and everything, this is going to cost no money. It's going to take no time, and they're going to sell this for 60 bucks, and this is going to sell better than Last Guardian probably. Apparently going to take time because that has a 2018 date, but no like window. Hmm. I guess we'll see what happens. But I, I think I don't think it's a bad move. I'd rather play this game than anything else I've seen from them. I actually bought this on PS3 because everyone talks about it and and it looks interesting. So see, seeing it with that new skin, I was really impressed with the trailer. I think it just goes to show more that Sony's lack of interest in remastering or not remastering, but um, having backwards compatibility is because they would rather just remaster games and sell them for sixty than allow people to play their back catalog. I would honestly, I would rather get full HD remakes. HD quote unquote remakes of a lot of these games. I would I, I'd rather do that than go back and play the old old version. I just rather have new games most of the time. If I can play the old version, that's fine for me. I understand that, but you know I'm a graphics whore. I want my game to look as like that's what that's the biggest thing for me is like there are tens of thousands of games out there. There like there's a game out there that gives me the gameplay I want, but also looks pretty. So I don't need to settle for a game that has gameplay but looks like shit. Like, I don't need to usually. And I get that, like, you just want, like, tight gameplay and, and, and good mechanics and stuff, and I get that. But th- there are so many games I'll never play them all, so why compromise in one area when I can, like, get something sexy but also effective? Speaking of games that look like total ass, Marvel vs. <laughs> Capcom Infinite. <laughs> Dude, it was kind of bizarre, like, seeing how they had to kind of compromise visually to, like, fit someone like Zero next to, like, Captain Marvel. Like, really? I don't think they have to compromise... Did you see Dante? Oh my god, he looked like an abused child. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw Chun Li. Chun Li looks fucking retarded. Those characters look so bad. But it's it's not even a, a graphic thing; it's an art direction thing. Like, why did they make those decisions? You know, because I think I think MVC three, the one, first one and the weird iterative one, it had suffered the same problem. The characters look goofy as hell because it's. It's not uh, hand-drawn sprite stuff anymore. It's like, you have to do this weird... They're taking 2D characters, and they're taking what is supposed to look like a real human being and putting it into this weird halfway mashup of, like, 3D, like, just... It's but bizarre. It's, it's being made by Capcom. They literally have made, like, the Capcom characters. They have those models. They know what Ryu is supposed to look like. They, have what, they know what Ken is supposed to look like. They know what Chun-Li and Dante are supposed to look like. So why do they look like that? The Marvel characters don't look very good either, but for that, at least, like, they don't own those characters. They don't have models to work with for them. They're just trying to unify the aesthetic between across all these franchises. They look unified. They all look terrible. Yeah, no, totally. That's exactly it. I know you're trying to make a joke, but it's true. They all have the same aesthetic, even though it looks like shit. And that's why that's why they made the decision. I don't think they think it looks like shit, but clearly the rest of the world does. 
Because yeah, Chud Lee, especially, that was making the oh, rounds man. on the internet. And you look so fucking goofy. She looks like Steve Nash, dude. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Who is ageless, to be fair. <laughs> dude, that man, yeah, yeah, he's been 27 for many a year. Yeah, so MVC Infinite coming in September. Yeah. Ooh, that's not rushed. Uh, then they showed Call of Duty World War II. Eh. It's Call of Duty. Yep. They showed a lot of VR stuff, actually. Oh, boy. Um, neither of us VR, so nah. we're not going to play that fishing game for Final Fantasy XV. Um, <laughs> no, sir. They showed more uh, God of War and gave a release window for that. I still don't know what kind of game this is. Early 2018. Looks like a combination of God of War and cinematic Naughty Dog kind of style gameplay. Yeah, I, I get the Naughty Dog feels. And it looked like all the gameplay they've showed feels like, like these boss battles. So you're fighting these big giant things. And it, it almost gave me like, like, I know the combat won't be, but it gave me like a Dark Souls vibe. Like where it's just you're fighting boss after boss. Because um, I I don't know is there going to be this are you traversing this world or is it going to be a platformer like like old God of War games? You thought it was going to be kind of like like what Tomb Raider is, where you're kind of exploring platforming. What's it going to be? I don't know. Yeah, they haven't really shown too much of that game, so I don't know. I have no idea. It looks fucking amazing, like visually stunning. Yeah, it looks tight. It looks good. Detroit. This game interests the shit out of me. Yeah, have you ever played a David Cage game? I have not. He did uh, Heavy Rain, yep. which people talk about. Uh, he did something else, but I can't think of the name of it. Uh, I've never played any of those, so I'm not familiar with the the style. Very adventure, like new take on adventure games. Similar to how Telltale has their take on adventure games, but yeah. this is more a little bit more gameplay oriented. So they showed uh, a different section than they showed last year. They showed a bit where you are basically starting a riot or not. or destroying cars or doing laser graffiti but you're part of this android kind of like uprising revolution right um you've gained sentience and then you're being treated as a second class citizen still being like your hardware so i think it's a it's definitely not a heavily trod on science fiction territory but holy it'll, it'll be interesting you know it's it's still fine to have takes on that so i think it totally is and we haven't seen a lot of that in video games like we're getting a narrative driven experience centering on this talking about the entire Mega Man series is about that oh yeah <laughs> Mega Man, world renowned for its fucking compelling storytelling like hey man had a cartoon oh my god i've never seen that that's really i'm gonna make it's a had, list there it's had multiple cartoons actually uh, yeah it's detroit it seems interesting uh still no release year even on that game yeah Dude, I heard the script's like over a thousand pages or something. Like this insane script. You're going to have like all these choices. That means nothing to me. I don't know. For a narrative driven game. Like, with Well, it, not, that, not that the amount of script doesn't mean anything to me, but a thousand pages. What does that mean? It's well, like saying this animation is took uh, 10 hours to make. What does that mean? Okay. So traditionally, one page of script translates to about a minute of, of film. Okay. And obviously this is a different, I mean, that's, that's a ballpark, but it's like, it's, a pretty accurate gauge when you're looking at, at script length and how that translates. So for a narrative driven, very cinematic sort of game, where it's all about making choices and you have multiple endings and different paths you can take. And supposedly not the way until Dawn was where like it gave you the illusion of choice and like some of the details would change, but like everything, all the major plot points were identical, no matter mm. uh, across different, um, different endings or whatever. It was, it was pretty much all the same. This is supposed to actually be like you can go all over the map as far as the experience you're having and you can really 
influence the story in these dynamic ways. It also means the game's going to be probably six hours long. It's going to be a very short experience. But hearing that a thousand page script, like it actually sounds like, okay, we're actually going to have these multiple choices that can spiral into hundreds of different endings and hundreds of different experiences where like you can actually play the game 10 times in a row and experience 10 different games. That's the promise right now, it seems. And I hope that's true. We'll see how that pans out. Looks still looks interesting. Yeah. Then they showed Sony showed more Destiny um, and they're just kind of strutting their stuff, having their exclusive strike and weapons and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, we've we've talked about Destiny 2 a little bit, but yeah. I mean, talk about asset swap, dude. Like this literally looks like the same game visually. I don't think the the problem with Destiny was the looks, though. No, I don't think anyone's ever said that. So I, I can't complain about it. If the thing if, is about if the new content is better, then that's that's the win right there. Well, no, like Destiny Two is going to be Destiny One Year Two. Like they've already got that game to where it needs to be. Destiny is what it's going to be for the next five plus years, and uh, uh, you know, like. Some of the stuff I saw, it was more like objective-based, team-based stuff. Like that's cool. That's that's really incremental. Um, this is just going to be Destiny One, and that's fine by me. Like it'll be cool to jump back in at even playing field with everybody. But it's it's going to be the same game. Then big the big ender was quite a bit of gameplay from Spider Man, which has a release year of next year. Holy Still fuck. no like actual real title. I don't think yeah. they've just been showing it as Marvel's Spider Man. So Dude. take that. For what that means, but I think that should just be the final name. What is your impression of this game? It looks amazing, visually awesome. You know, really captures the feel of what Spider Man is. Although we nailed that decade and a half ago in video games, uh, so it just looks it looks like another great Spider Man game. Hearing that it's open world, the way Spider Man Two was the movie adaptation, awesome, awesome game. Probably, probably the best Spider Man game. Probably, I, I don't want to commit to that because we've had a couple of good ones, but it's likely the best Spider Man game. One of the first open world games that, you know, most people played my age, you know, mm-hmm. people my age weren't playing GTA then. You're too young for it, right? So like Spider-Man was kind of kind of that first entry into like what an open world game was. You know, it looks to make good on the promise of what s- s- the Spider-Man franchises, because there's several of them, never really became. Mm-hmm. And the movie adaptations we got the last couple of years were not good. And this uh, gameplay trailer did not show any of the open world aspects, which is... Right. A little bit unfortunate, but I think they wanted to show the story beats more than they wanted to show uh, traversal at this point. Which is understandable. And I think the blueprint's there, again, like how to make an open world Spider-Man game. It's there. Follow it. Well, I mean, it's it's been there, but like you said, they've, they haven't really nailed it. No. Uh, the main thing I'm worried about, like, okay, quick, too many quick time events. I love how cinematic it is. It looks awesome. It's like, I wish I could see this in the movies. Yeah, and I'm, I'm worried about that also, but I also just have a vibe that it's only going to be for these end of mission kind of events. Right. Which, I mean, part of the time I'd rather watch a, a, a cut scene, but cutscenes suck too. So there's got to be a way to interact with it. So quick time events yeah. is the easy answer. Um, news came out that you can't kill enemies in this game. I don't think that's an issue at all. It makes sense. Oh yeah, Marvel would not allow that. No, it tracks with the character. That's fine. The thing that worries me is web traversal when you're in the city. Like the thing that made Spider-Man Two great in the open that, world was the beautiful way, gray sky. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's the way you 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 traverse the world and the way the web slinging felt very different than any other Spider-Man game. You know, as far as you had full like range of motion in the air. Mm-hmm. There's no no worry about realism at all. Your 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 webs were literally just in the sky. <laughs> that's that's fucking fine. But they're not going to have that in this game because people will complain probably. 
you can still do it where like you latch onto buildings. There's the way to get around that, but it's having the full range of motion, controlling each axis, controlling everything about the physics of your character. You're not just like shooting and then propelling forward. Like you, you I, I don't know how to describe it. It's a very unique feeling. No, I know. I know what you're saying though, just the, the momentum. Yeah. They need to, they need to nail that or else this game is just not going to feel good because the amazing Spider-Man games try to do that and it felt like shit. And it just it didn't work. I believe though, Insomniac has the ability to do that. Like you were ranting and raving about, well, not really ranting and raving, but you were you were very impressed with Sunset Overdrive, and yeah. they they talked about like they mentioned behind closed doors that they took a lot of cues from that game in making this game. Hell yeah, I really I th- I think Sunset Overdrive is probably the most underrated game of this generation. So imagine that, but you're Spider Man. Yeah, totally. That's exactly the feel it gave me with like Arkham kind of combat. Yeah, which is fine. That's tried and true. To be fair, though, I was really like showing stealth in a Spider-Man game. That was like really kind of funny to me. Well, dude, that's that's my own personal side. There's a lot of stealth and and even classically in Spider-Man games, like there have been a lot of stealth missions. Like I was just playing through Shadow Dimensions and you there's a whole character devoted to like being stealthy. Spider-Man Noir. Fucking awesome. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that literally makes sense for him as a character. But just from my exposure, watching the movies and like the cartoons and stuff, there has never been like, oh, yeah, Spider-Man, the stealthy guy. Right. I don't think it, in the comics it translates better than than like a cartoon where like. Yeah, you'd be boring to watch. I understand yeah, that. But yeah. that was my personal take when I, while I was watching it. All right, my man. This is the main event. It only took us two and a half hours to get here. And I've got like 10 minutes. So that stinks. But Nintendo, <laughs> Nintendo, who, like we said, we saved the best for last year. I think they probably had the best conference. Oh, yes. It was snappy. It was quick. It was uh, it was great. I, I enjoyed watching that live and just it was way more content than I expected. Like you and I spoke of this and we're we're pretty like they could do really well or they could do the safe stuff. Yeah. And I think they struck a really good balance of showing stuff for this year and then showing a few like not really showing but talking about like yeah we're working on a core pokemon game we're working on metroid prime 4 and here's yeah. also a yoshi game that you can look forward to next year and a kirby game that looks way better than has any right to be sure was, i was i was very happy with the entire conference they started off with like xenoblade chronicles 2 right well they had a sizzle reel but i skipped that yeah because yeah. the sizzle reel showed rocket league and i was like oh my god but then they talked about that later so yeah xenoblade chronicles 2 did you play any of the first two? I did play Xenoblade Chronicles 1. Not very far. I mean, you know, I mm. put a couple hours into it. Mm. Um, kind of a weird mix between like an MMO style combat. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I actually kind of like the combat in a way. It's I like being able to move around. And being able to move around during a, a basically turn-based combat is interesting. And I, I like it okay. Not a lot of RPGs do that. So this could be the one makes for me, it, I guess. Makes it a little more engaging, I think. Easier right. to stay engaged anyway. Yeah, so they showed a little more story kind of stuff, interesting characters. There was gameplay during Treehouse uh, Day 2, which I caught a little bit of that. Um, just showing more like, yeah, the combat is pretty much the same. Then they showed Kirby, which doesn't have like, a subtitle or anything. It's supposed to come out next year, Kirby. but they highlighted combining powers, which they haven't yeah. done since Crystal Shards. And that is awesome. I loved that mechanic. And they showed multiplayer. Which for Kirby games is just a lot of fun. It's just running around being a weird OP pink blob. Didn't they combine powers and Squeak Squad? I don't think so. I'm not sure. I didn't play that game. Mm. I, I, I'm pretty sure they, they did. But regardless, yeah, Crystal Shards I played and beat. Definitely. So that's that's like the one. That's my 
kind of cornerstone for the Kirby franchise. Yeah, no, that's exciting. I, I it looks beautiful too. It looks, you know, it, it looks like Kirby. I'm excited to yeah. get my hands on it. Pokemon, they cut to like the main guy, at Game Freak. I'm guessing. Yeah, he's yeah. just sitting in his office, looking like he doesn't want to be bothered, and he's like, "Yeah, we're, we're so excited to bring Pokemon over to the Nintendo Switch, and it's got all these extra characters." And you know, before before we go, I'm just we're working on the next Pokemon game for Switch. You know, it's gonna come out and. More than it. By the way, it'll take it'll take a year, and just like okay, <laughs> I, I when they when they cut to him, I was like, they better not because they had that they had that Pokemon Direct last week. It's like you better not Nintendo, you better not do me like this. But then that's that's a good announcement. I like that announcement. Yeah, you know, I think a week ago they didn't have this planned. I'm not gonna lie. I think this. I think honestly, even a few months ago. They had their lineup for E3 set, and then they realized they kind of had to slip these things in, which is why you just got a splash screen, and you got a weird video announcement, and like, like they had to throw these kind of things in, because imagine, without Pokemon, without Metroid, this is kind of a bummer of a conference. No, without without Metroid and Pokemon, I think it's still a fine conference. Fine. Those were just like, not the worst one. I'd still say it's better than Sony's. Um, but yeah, just saying Pokemon, like I'm sure they have assets to show and they have stuff they could show but it's in game freak's best interest to really only show ultra sun ultra moon because they're trying to sell that game i know so like it's a marketing thing that's same with metroid prime i'm sure they have something like like showable but they don't show unless they have a lot to show which they showed like quite a bit for kirby and they showed quite a bit for yoshi yeah but just like right after they say yeah we're making another pokemon game everyone's like hype levels are just like rising up right and then just the zoom out of the star field and i'm like because the music is very it's not really music yet and then you see the the s in the sky and just that four show up and then yeah everyone's mind just exploded at that moment how, it was amazing how was that live for you did you i mean were you watching it by I, yourself i I was watching it by myself and I literally bust out laughing. I was just like, <laughs> I they imagine. did it. They did it. The Mad Men. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. That's fucking it funny. It was an amazing moment. And then it like, it fades down. It's like, it's now in development. It's like, oh, okay. 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 Back down to earth here. Okay. Back to reality. Yeah. They decided, okay, we'll green light that Metroid game that people keep asking about, whatever that is. You know, people are crying that Retro is not doing it, but I don't think this is a problem. I think no. I think the original Metroid Prime games they controlled even for their time really poorly, and I don't think there's anything special Retro did that another development can't a company can't do, especially under the same director. Yeah, and those those games were amazing, not because of the controls, but in spite of them. Exactly, and it you can retroactively, huh? Uh, go back and put real controls in those games because they're designed around that specifically. So it would completely ruin any sense of balance that you would have against enemies. But it'll be nice to see. Um, this this is fresh blood, you know. This is like what Splatoon did. You know, they brought new people in. And they said, "Hey, make something cool." And Nintendo knows how to pick them. Yeah. Apparently, so they've had great success with that. I can only imagine. That's the same uh, director, yep. uh, Tanabe. Which whether or not. That's a good thing. It's kind of up to, for debate, though, at the same time, because it's like his vision that, um, uh, not zero, but, uh, other M, other M. Like that was the story beats in that. Like he okayed that he pushed for that. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. That bodes. We have nothing to comment about because they haven't shown anything. Exactly. 
But I think so, like you just imagine what a Metroid Prime game is, but with real shooting mechanics and like updated graphics, and like that's a winner. Yeah, I hope they don't lean too hard in the shooter mechanics though. Because Metroid games aren't like they're not shooter games, you know. Like even the side scrolling ones, like the enemies are there, but it's about the the exploration and the puzzles. Sure, and the boss battles are cool too, but like that's not like the main swing of it. It's the 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 atmosphere and the the feel of them. Right. I hope they don't lean into it any harder than they ever have. And I'm hoping that when you have to, it controls like a modern shooter. I don't hope it controls like a modern shooter. I just hope it controls well. I mean, I want I want. Two, I want to control both axes with two thumbsticks, and I want to hit my triggers to shoot somebody. Like, boom, modern shooter. Like, the old Metroid Prime games are so bad as far as, like, you have one axis to control, and you're, like, moving your whole body around. If It's so hard to play. Like, you got to play the Wii version so you can look around. And In what world is a game control better with a Wiimote? Like, honestly, like, that's... I didn't, I didn't think the control was necessarily bad. You're really bad at, at adapting to controls, have honestly. You, well, no. Have you got... You can't even play, you can't even play Dark Souls. What? It's not The Witcher? I can't play it. <laughs> well, I mean, even The Witcher, like... I don't, we don't need to get into this. Okay, we don't need to get into that. You know what will control very well? Yoshi. Which... This doesn't move the most, needle for me. Most interesting, though, thing, though, is this is a first-party Nintendo game being developed by, Ninten- by Nintendo in Unreal Engine 4. <laughs> That's interesting to me. It's interesting, I would say. Not exciting. It's interesting. Yeah, so, I don't know. Just a little fun thing right there. Showed more kind of interacting with the background the whole thing is very uh, did you watch any of the treehouse for this i I caught some of the treehouse for yeah. this too yeah and like throwing eggs at like the the background like cardboard and it like flies away it's like you're on a tabletop it's yeah. really just leaning into that style it's very cute it seems like a very fun game i like that this is the direction they've gone with yoshi putting him into the like, yarn and now paper uh, i think the yarn is probably a better aesthetic honestly like the paper they like, kind of look dull like conceptually, I like it, like you said. Yeah. So we'll see. It looks like a cute little Yoshi game. I didn't beat Willy World. I probably will never beat Willy World, to be honest. I got mm-hmm. what I wanted out of it six hours and said, well, moving on. But it's, in, it's in that tier of babby platformers with Kirby that are just still really fun and enjoyable to play. Very relaxing. See, what I like about the Yoshi game, it's like my eight-year-old brother can play it, beat it, love it. And I can go through and try to 100% it, and it'll drive me crazy. So there's a difficulty curve for everybody. And that's my alarm going off telling me I need to put pants on and leave. I'm going to ignore it for now. But like Kirby, there's one difficulty level. There's no curve. There's no incentive to do X, Y, or Z to make it any more difficult. It's just like it is what it is. So I appreciate that the Kirby game has these built-in sort of mechanisms to help. And they've played with that in the past with like challenge modes. But I guess it just depends on how much it rewards you to make that a viable uh kind of comparison right um yeah they showed more fire emblem warriors uh i won't get that game i don't like the warriors games very much i played hyrule warriors a little bit with you and did not move the needle for me at all i really liked it man it's i like the hack and slash i like you just you feel so powerful just zip zooping around fast as a motherfucker slicing people up and then the strategy elements i love well you're, you're you're trying to manage your assets and 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 defend different bases and you're running all over the map and i just it was it's nice in small doses i beat hyrule warriors enjoyed Mm -hmm. it and i haven't had the itch to play it again but when this comes out i will pick it up and i'm sure it'll be just as enjoyable yeah kind of a popcorn kind of game i get that uh showed some more uh, breath of the wild dlc and they showed the amiibos for the four champions oh i'm all over those (laughs) oh boy release date for the master trials will be end of this month so in like two weeks uh which 
I still haven't bought the the season pass, whatever they call it, but no. I will get it eventually. And when I do, I'll do the master trials, which I'm not sure what the, it gives your master sword the it's powered up all the time. Uh, and then Champions Ballad, which is the the second part of the DLC, is supposed to come out this holiday, and they have not shown what that is supposed to be. But it's it's story DLC is what they've uh, broken down as. Okay. And with them having the four champions as uh, amiibo, I wonder if it's been what I have thought would be a cool DLC is a playing as Link in the original like story, spoiler alert, but like back in the past before everything like before shit hit the fan and you're on your quest with Zelda and the four champions to do whatever they're doing. Or I mean that would be cool, or even like pre pre date Calamity Ganon and go back to like how did Link get sort of his reputation as this like Hyrule renowned champion or a warrior? Like Well yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like story line wise he's like a knight in the Hyrule army or whatever, yeah. but is chosen somehow to be Zelda's protector and part of this like quest that she's on. Yeah. To like get her power of like, cause she's got the Triforce of wisdom, but not in this game, but like that's sort of the same kind of power. Yeah. And she's trying to unlock it by visiting these shrines. Um, not the shrines, but the, you know what I'm talking about though? Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. With like the spirit dragons and stuff. Right. So that's what I was thinking. Like what the DLC could be is like what happened a hundred years ago. Yeah. No, I mean, the thing, if I would be worried about if they try to tie it in directly to what we learned in the main narrative, is that like it'll be too small, and I, I want them to have the freedom to get away from the Clam again and that whole thing. Like there had to have been something before that quest that they went on together. I don't know. That seems like that's not too small of a quest. Like that's going all over the map, visiting these places. I guess we'll see. I, that would be really exciting. It'd be cool to kind of see, like, because obviously a lot of people remember you a uh, hundred years later. Yeah, the Zora especially because they actually are old. Yeah, so I, I really like I really like that. Like that's what I liked about the Star Wars prequels, as bad as they were. Like I love going back and filling in the gap and saying, "Oh, like that makes sense now." So you know, same thing with Zelda. If they could go back and and like, oh, you know, these little Easter eggs from a hundred years in the future, like that. Yeah, that, I want to know what Link's midichlorian count is, and maybe that's how he got chosen. It's he was the chosen one. He was like a brother. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, then Nintendo showed more uh, Mario and Rabbids, blah, blah, blah. Um, Rocket League. Fuck yeah. You gonna buy it again? Fuck yeah. It's got crossplay with Xbox and PC. Fuck yeah. It's got hats. It's Fuck got Mario yeah. and Luigi hats. It's gonna have special cars, maybe F-Zero cars. Fuck yeah. I'm all Holiday over it. this year. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably buy it again. I can play Rocket League on the pooper. I can play Rocket League in bed. Exciting. But the, the big, the crowning trailer for this e3 was super mario odyssey and finally showing what that hat does what that hat do what that hat do that hat makes mario a frog and a dinosaur (laughs) (laughs) and a signpost and a bullet bill and a goomba and a koopa anything he can imagine the world is is. it's wild Uh, that game looks so much fun they showed because they showed those four worlds from the initial like announcement but there's more than that. I was thinking that it might just be those four. Looks like there's a really good variety of, of locations in this yeah. game. And it it looks really, really, really fun. So honestly, this did not move the needle for me. It, it Nothing about it has. I'm not on the hype train the way I was for even for Zelda to a modest degree. Like I didn't like Super Mario 64. I didn't have a 64 growing up. I've, like, I've always said this. Like Spyro 2 
was my Mario 64. If that makes sense. It was my sort of entry point into what a 3D action platformer was. And going back and playing Mario 64 is a lot tougher than, you know, than it, it sounds. I loved games like Super Mario 3D Land and 3D World. I thought those were awesome. Those were kind of a kind of inspired by like what Super Mario 64 and Sunshine were. No triple jump, dude. Yeah, they take small cues like wall jumps, but even like Super Mario, new Super Mario Brothers had that. I don't know. It's it's completely different when you have access to controlling your camera and you're not it's a lot less linear. Like you're doing a lot of the same things, but it's like how um Breath of the Wild has shrines, whereas older Zelda games have temples. Right. Like it's that kind of comparison where it's it's the same but different. When you're in a, a exploratory Mario game, you're doing the same things you would do in a linear Mario, but you're doing them in the order that you want. Right. So it's it it's a different level of uh gameplay loop and like finding the thing is as fun as doing the thing. And Mario lends itself, especially like how I was talking in another podcast, how Breath of the Wild moving around is just so much fun. Oh yeah. Mario is the the number like the best example of that. And this game looks like it has that nailed down, and that's what I'm the most excited about is just running around being Mario. Yeah, I'm glad we saw more variety in the worlds. Like I when I saw New Donk City, like I love the name. Really don't like the aesthetic. Like being in a city, it's fucking weird. But we saw a lot of different locales, a lot of different worlds. I still don't understand why people got so hung up on that. It it's unnatural. It's but how do you right. watch that trailer and think, oh, we're gonna be in a city the whole time? Is that our hub world? Why why did why did people get stuck on that? I don't know. I don't know. But it it just was it was just weird. I think it, people were it was natural for them to kind of jump to these worrisome conclu- conclusions. But I like the, the 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 level variety so far. Seems really nice. It's it's very diverse, mm. which is like crucial in a game like this. I'm definitely gonna pick it up. I I just it doesn't. It looks like a Mario game, and I have never not enjoyed a Mario game. Right? Yeah, that's that, that's another thing is that there have been how many bad Mario games? Yeah, like the worst ones probably Super Mario Land, and I love that game. So <laughs> or like the spinoffs, those hardly count. Like Mario Party, it's all kind of suck. That, but that, those don't count. Those aren't Mario yeah. games. Right. That's that's like saying. Mario Rabbit is a Mario game. It's not a Mario game. Mario is just in it. It's like saying the Super Mario Bros. movie was a Mario movie. It wasn't a Mario Bros. movie. It was. It's it's canon. No! <laughs> I, mean, I just found that the other day digging through my DVD. Sarah was like purging because we're all on the Blu-ray thing, right? And we have been for mm. a few years. So we're moving. So Sarah was kind of purging the DVDs that we don't want to have to box up and move because we don't watch DVDs. And I was going through and I'm like, okay, there are three movies we have to keep. Maybe four. Mario. <laughs> Mario is one of them. Um, like Mike, Hoosiers, and the sleeper was Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> we we put that back in the get rid of pile, though. She made me. Uh, honestly, you should have all those on Blu-ray. You, can't, you don't want to miss a detail on well, Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> a lot of those are. You know, a lot of the DVDs aren't made on Blu-ray, which is why we had them on DVD. Damn shame. Yeah. So, oh, well. Kangaroo Jack, bro. That movie was was real not good. But no, man, Super Mario Bros, Super Mario Odyssey, it's all connected, man. It's all like like John Leguizamo is going to make an appearance in New Donk City somewhere. Like it's possible now. <laughs> like I just want the I want the New Donk Historia, and I want to know what the Mario timeline is, dude. Let's have it already, okay, dude. The New Donk Historia, 
Fuck yeah, dude. Let me tell that's you what. The of, that's the name of my mixtape. <laughs> let me tell you what, man. Nintendo has just like unknowingly spawned going to be what it's going to be some of the best like video game porn parodies. Like, are you kidding me right now? New Donk City, bro. New Donk yeah. City, new even just New Donk City works. Oh, Big Booty Mario, New Donk City. Like like people are going to have fun with that when the time comes. Sign me up. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. I love it though, man. I uh I'm hoping, like, how is Donkey Kong going to be implemented in this game? I don't know. They have those, uh, like, red girders in the city. There might be, I don't know if Donkey Kong actually will be in it, but, like, it's a he whole, the whole city is a reference. He better be. Pauline back is to OG, the singer. Dude. Yeah. She's the mayor of the city. Oh, like, man. Let's, they could do that that level of crossover. Donkey Kong 94, have him wear the t-shirt instead of have the tie. Yeah, I want it. I fucking want it. That would be really cool, man. The Mess t-shirt. The timeline, oh though. my god! Oh, the fucking timeline. You, th- you think it's coming? <laughs> you think the uh, the Mario timeline's coming? No. Will I make it anyway? Potentially. You should do that. It, Console Crusade exclusive. <laughs> Couple last little bits. We haven't mentioned Samus Returns yet. That's true. That was like a dark horse kind of. Oh, you know, Treehouse. Oh, by the way, we made a, a an actual two D Metroid game. Just uh, like uh, what? It's over here. It's like what? D- didn't mention 3ds once in the the direct yeah which uh, i think definitely on purpose yeah it's good this is it makes sense that they announced this in the treehouse uh dude yeah, the two and a, two and a half d yeah this is a full-on metro game classic yeah, metro game remake Fuck, of yeah. a game that's almost unplayable like metroid 2 is hard to play yeah the sprite's way too big there's no map it's you get lost very easily and even if you play it in color the like with a Game Boy Color, it doesn't denote special like blocks. It's it still doesn't make it any better, really. No, this is cool that they're doing a remake. You know, part of me th- thought like, why why a remake or a reimagination? Like, why not just just make a new two D Metroid game? So I you know because there's not like a narrative. It's not like there's code they're borrowing or assets. It's like it's a whole new game. Why not just establish it as like a sequel? I feel like people will be more excited about it that way. It's a whole new game, but it's still. It's a very important, and as far as the story goes, this is Metroid Two is where she like meets the she gets the baby Metroid, and I don't like, know that's enough important about... for storyline. It's okay. important for storyline. That's all okay. you really have to know. Okay, and they already remade Metroid One with a Zero Mission on the Game Boy Advance. So as far as Zero Mission to this to Super Metroid, which doesn't need to be remade, like it's it's the missing link as far as playable Metroid games. I wish honestly, I wish this was a two D. I wish this was sprite based. Fully 2D. That would be awesome. That would have been really cool. I wish they would have done it, man. That's above the pay grade of a, a third-party studio that they kind of sourced out for this. Yeah, that's true. That's really cool. The last thing on the list here is Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. Which which I'm actually way more excited about than I am about 2.5D Metroid. Really? Have you seen the gameplay in this? Have you seen the trailer? Oh, yeah, I mean, it looks... It looks beautiful. It's actually sprites. It's sprites. Yeah, it doesn't look much different than the original. Like, it... It is obviously, but like it, it really captured what was a very unique aesthetic. It captured that really well while modernizing it. I think. Yeah, it's them like acknowledging that game and looking back towards it, and that gives me hope that future Mario and Luigi titles would be more grounded in this, like not necessarily style, but like the gameplay loop of it. Yeah. So I, I love it. A couple things we didn't get: we did not get uh, any peripherals, like I predicted. We did not get our uh, Super Nintendo classic edition watch it be just just 
casually announced next week. I'm sure it will be at some point. Um, one thing that we didn't mention, you know, Sony, you know, last pod I said that PSX is Sony's bread and butter now. People looked at E3 and said Sony didn't do this, didn't do that. That was a bummer. Like Sony did what they needed to do to stay relevant. But I think PS, like they're, they're, this is another year where they're going to kill it. PSX, they're going to drop some new stuff, some exclusive stuff. And it's just really going to be the year that's like, Oh, that's why they didn't drop it at E3. PSX is, is what, what they do now. What all did they do awesome at PSX last year? Was it just the last of us trailer? Cause if it's just like death stranding, super ethereal, Oh, check out this music video we made. Then like at that point, I'm not super, that's not exciting to me, but I mean, I, I get it because we were both excited about Metroid Prime being announced and that wasn't even a trailer. That was a JPEG. The thing about E3, it's all about hype. PSX is now that for Sony. Where, like, so last year, besides a bunch of indie stuff, but like, let's see, Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, Danganronpa 3. They showed Crash Bandicoot at E3 first, though. Was that the reveal? Yeah. Was that E3? Yeah. Really? Okay. Well, shitty. Um, yeah, obviously they revealed MVC3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they had Capcom Cup at uh, PSX because uh, yeah, they have the exclusivity for uh, Street Fighter. So here's some of the bigger things. Nier Automata. So that was announced. Nino Kuni 2 was revealed, which is like huge um, as far as like hype goes. Fucking um, Parappa, the Rappa, Patapon, and Locoroco. That mm-hmm. got some people hyped. There's more RE7 stuff. We had the Uncharted reveal. And then we had the... Um, uh, Yakuza stuff, you know, like like a lot of smaller things, but like stuff that got they're like each fan base kind of got a little bit of everything. But they had a lot of. I think there's more heavy hitters there than like they didn't announce anything this year. Sony didn't announce anything new other than the Shadow of the Colossus, right? And Monster Hunter. Yeah, everything else was known quantity. So I don't know. I think PSX will be cool this year. I think they'll redeem themselves. I just don't know if there's room for their PSX to be exciting because we all we know what all their studios are doing. Yeah, that's true. Like the only thing they can do is just show more. Yeah, of what we've seen, and that's not necessarily a good thing. No, but I guess every couple of years, this kind of ha- is bound to happen, right? Yeah, which is why it's it's weird that they didn't have a, like a lot more exciting third party stuff showed off. I mean, Xbox was killing it with third party reveals and stuff like that, and Sony had what Monster Hunter? Like, yeah. sure, that's big in Japan, but like E three is not a Japanese show. Right. So that's why I'm just saying Sony felt like the weakest conference out of all of them for me. But this is the first year that I can remember watching where like somebody didn't disappoint. It was like everything was solid to really great. Yeah, everything was just good job. And and everyone's been crying about the death of E3. And I think E3 is evolving from what it used to be, right? It, it used to be the showcase for these companies. This was the event. It's evolving beyond that. But now it's like, Seeing the emphasis on like getting your hands on games, maybe it's the advent of like social media and YouTube as like platforms and these personalities going in and getting their hands on games. And like, I feel like the focus on actually getting to play these games and share it with the world was like is bigger than I've ever seen it. Yeah. And there are other shows that's true, but E3 being it like people recognize E3 the time of year and it is a time where we see a, a lot of big announcements from. Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo and I hope that it doesn't go away because I don't pay attention to the this the the companies that I don't have a console from right unless it is like a big event like this so it is a nice time to everyone to kind of peek their head out of their personal worlds and see what's going on next door right and that's really cool that that further benefit benefits everyone I think uh, it was a solid year and I hope that it can kind of continue 
you know? And because like last year it was like everyone left E3 just saying like, wow, this is it. Like, you know, and then obviously they, they opened it to the public this year, uh, like we've mentioned before. And so um, I think it's, yeah, it's going to evolve into more of like a con, like a, like a Comic Con or a... Like a PAX maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's going to become more like that and it's going to, it'll it'll live on in a new and exciting way. Yeah, I think there's still room for for E3 to to exist along with other big shows like Gamescom and TGS, but uh, it does need to change, especially if they want to open up to the public again. Yeah, because there there just isn't the capacity for it. the The people who had booths didn't accommodate for that number of people. So we'll see what they do next year. But I think there's there's still going to be E3 for the foreseeable future and i'm okay with that i feel okay with that oh yeah well dude this is uh this has been a three hour e3 wrap-up pod that i have to edit tonight so fuck me right oh yeah hopefully uh (laughs) hopefully we have the technical issues we've been having this is going to be alleviated by a few things we've tried hopefully fingers crossed and if everything works out i might not edit this too much i might just fucking throw it up that'd be awesome that'd be a real nice so fuck yeah, this has been the Constant Crusade Podcast. I'm EJ Olson. This is Nick Durheim. Ka-chow. The game is fun. All about the game. World premiere.